0: What's up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and this one was pretty epic with a super agent, Scott Sepkovic. Uh, You may remember him for his role with Jason Lawrence. Uh, He was J-Law's manager throughout his career, Um, but his history in the industry actually goes way further back than that. Um, He was the guy who did The Jeremy McGrath, Bud Light deal, Um, he was a big player at both Rockstar and Monster uh, back in the day through his company, Crown Athlete Management Group been uh i really like these podcasts like the i guess the the back end sort of workings of the industry uh and the guys that kind of make some of these big deals happen it's uh it's fascinating to me and they've often lived a pretty full life uh behind the scenes in, in racing and scott is definitely a guy that fits that category so thank you guys for supporting the membership website and uh yeah we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Scott Sepkovic. A quick word from our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the team at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens AG1 is the first port of call for me each and every morning. And in my experience, this is the healthiest habit you can form. And it takes just under one minute of your day. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I love using AG1. Firstly, doing it habitually every morning sets me on the right path with my health. Not only is it amazing for my body, but mentally I know that before I've done anything else in the day, I'm already on the path that I wanna be on and that is the path to World Vets. Secondly, to get the same nutritional benefits by using separate vitamins. Not only would it take a crazy amount of time, but I wouldn't actually be smart enough to source all of the ingredients that AG1 packs into their formula. AG1 is a one scoop formula that you mix with between 8 to 12 ounces of water and that's it, you're done. And it has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. Since using AG1, I have noticed a massive change for the better Uh, I'd say mostly in my digestion and overall gut health, but I can also feel it in my hair and skin as well. I feel like I just have a more consistent energy level throughout the day. But maybe the best part about working with the team at Athletic Greens is that it's also been helping out the Gypsy Gang. I've had a bunch of messages from people who've started using AG1 after listening to the show and they all have their own stories of how it's helped them. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com gypsytails. It's not a promo code. It's this link specifically, athleticgreens.com gypsytails winter sports or getting on the grog you still need to care for your favorite hog with manscaped there is nothing wrong with growing out a new coat of manly chest hair to keep warm this winter it's only an issue when you grow some matching fur panties stop letting the curly cues down there cover up the stars of the show with manscaped performance package 4.0 Join the 8 million men and 16 million nuts worldwide who already use Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. Gentlemen, winter is not a time to get complacent and being the kind of man who is well-groomed from the waist down is to be a confident man. And I have Manscaped to thank for giving me Jet Lawrence type confidence after going 8-0 and to kick off the season. Grab your ghoulies, their new best mate with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawn 4.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine and their skin safe tech will stop you from tearing your pubes to shreds. Inside the Performance Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Ball Toner and Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant Moisturizer. Just because it's cold doesn't mean those boys don't get smelly. And you can't forget about the Manscaped boxes that come with the kit. Don't let your boys hang out in the cold. Manscaped dual pouch will make sure your gems are nestled safe and comfortable. And they round out the package with the Weed Whacker 2.0 because no one likes ear and nose hair. Plus, you get a shed travel bag to hold all of your new goodies. Do yourself a favor. Get the best pack for your sack with the performance package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. Winter's coming, boys, and make sure your boys are prepared. We're also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group, and if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, then you cannot buy anything without picking up the phone and calling Kyle. He has been keeping us moving for the past three years and countless other members of the Gypsy Gang. Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton, Stock Ford, Mitzi, Kia, Isuzu and Great Wall. For the last 12 months, we have been wheeling the all new D-Max. If you're looking for a ute for work and play, I can't recommend that rig enough. We've driven it from Melbourne to Cape York and it's safe to say she's passed the test. It's tax time right now, so make sure you head to Tropical Auto and ask for Kyle and you'll get a $500 gift voucher at MX Store with the purchase of a new or used car. We also need to give a shout out to Dry Times. Dry Times may have created the perfect towel with their quick-drying, odour-free and super-absorbent towel. It also takes up a fraction of the space of a traditional towel. They make towels for the gym, the beach and even ponchos for post-surf. To find out more about this perfect towel, head to drytimes.com or check them out on Instagram at drytimes. And strike while the iron's hot with their end of financial year sale right now at drytimes.com. They have 20% off store-wide. The team at Dixon Flannel are also having their end of financial year sale, and we're neck deep in winter right now in the Southern Hemisphere, so there has never been a better time to get into a fresh and crispy Dixon. These flannels have been solid in my rotation for years now, and it's very rare that I go anywhere without one. Take advantage of this epic sale by heading to dixonquality.com.au. Look at that old school. What do we got
1: there? New fair
0: t-shirt? yeah no i think, think oh yeah you like i uh I, I, I wore this that. one for you today mate the uh the old the no fear so old school yeah yeah i thought you'd appreciate like that it. one so scott Sepovic is uh is in the building we'll, we'll, mate we'll, i'll um, help
1: you i'll help you with the pronunciation sepkovic sepkovic, sep, sep, sepkovic, sepkovic. Sorry, yeah K. Okay, that's all good Wha- trust where's me the
0: what what's the background like what's the family background
1: Uh, you know there's kind of a debate you know there was the austro-hungarian empire so the lines were always moving in austria Czechoslovakia, that whole area so serbia croatia so there's a whole kind of depends on the timeline of what period of time you're looking at um but you know a lot of my aunts have done research and it says uh czech so czech or austria but uh, we'll go with austria because
0: i'm a big skier so yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done any of like the DNA test or anything like that? Are you like interested in it?
1: You know, I, I haven't. I know my some of my siblings, I have six brothers and sisters and they have. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be uh, fun to actually figure out where exactly. And I know that they have done that and they have, you know, determined kind of the area we came from. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because I got I got like Scottish for one part, but then I've got a lot of Europe throughout. Like, uh, there's some Danish and German, uh, and then uh, English on one side. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a melting pot. But when you go, I just actually finished reading a uh, like an old history book for I think it was like 1915 that it got published, and man, just how much like you said things were moving around just throughout all of history there it's like it's pretty hard to know really where anyone comes from
1: the lines of uh, europe which i actually like to watch a lot of just kind of the old just history stuff on all of those movement of the the lines so they it was definitely continual change in whether it either be world war one and or either world war two so uh, you know even northern italy up where um uh, tr- 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 Arco is was actually Austria, so
0: yeah, so yeah. Well, even like the as soon as you'd get a new emperor or a new pope would come in, like they literally would just redraw the map of Europe yeah. j- just just exactly. based on like a new a new pope. Yeah, cra- crazy crazy time, man. Eh? Just just to think, you know, I, I've I left reading that last book thinking that a how much time like a lack of human cooperation has cost us like if you look at how technologically advanced we are now and all of the things that we have and we've just spent thousands of years fighting each other killing each other fighting over territory so think of how far we've come with all that fighting imagine if there was just some kind of like universal cooperation since day one like we'd we'd be a pretty in a we'd be in a pretty crazy spot
1: yeah, the whole technology is definitely, uh, I know myself, you know, being being old, um, I uh, struggle with technology, but it is amazing how, you know, even just Zoom calls, you know, how, yeah. how they move you along um, and uh, change the times. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Technology is, it's a good thing. But uh, I do think that, you know, you've also, especially with COVID, when Zoom became so popular... I think that you know there's also something missed now where people aren't going to offices as much anymore and i think a lot of that uh also that you know uh, interaction with your teammates and people building companies i think was important also because you saw someone else getting ahead and you're side by side with them and there was kind of this uh inner uh competition within not competition but just you know you see someone moving ahead and i, I just think that some of that yeah. maybe has been being lost
0: but oh well yeah the there's like an energy exchange exactly. going on in a sense yeah.
1: and i yeah and I, I i really enjoy energy of people and you know believe that uh, as a people person i i enjoy being with people interacting with people and yeah so and we are yeah, social I, beings so we need that
0: yeah definitely and i think you yeah you're right you are of an age where when you grew up it was just analog everything i mean i'm i'm 35 this year So I'm pretty much like the last generation. I mean, I don't think I got a cell phone until I was like 16 or something like that. So I had my whole childhood without a cell phone. We had one computer that was connected to the internet that like the entire household used, but it wasn't high speed internet. So I kind of was on like the tail end of growing up without technology but you're a dude that just grew up in the fully analog world so I mean for you when you start seeing all like the AI and all that sort of shit it, it must be a trip even more for I, you I
1: I just turned 60 so um yeah so it's uh, a real I struggle with some of my electronic devices and you know younger people are always like you know I mean just kind of baffling but it's really yeah it's difficult I don't want to say difficult cuz people my age a lot of people are very versed with uh the technology, but uh, yeah, sometimes I struggle with it, so, but oh yeah. well, here we are, it's the times.
0: Yeah, so at 60 though, you're still skiing a lot, you're still riding, you're still oh, doing, yeah. doing everything, like, is that what 60 looked like in your mind when you were, say, 30?
1: No, 60 in my mind when I was uh, 30, or even, you know, I remember when I was Racing, um, you know, when they started the vet class, I remember, you know, I was probably yeah. in my early twenties and I was you know, they'd be like they got the thirty plus vet class and you'd be like, Come on, man, you guys are dragging out today. Those guys, it's over. They need to go home and you know, yeah, it's just you're like, real. you know, it's the thirty, you know, class and now it's like, you know, that's that's still a young class, but yeah, you definitely uh You think of it as old, even, you know, where I am now, I would never I mean sixty, you would have thought, Wow, that dude is really old. It's Um, a wrap. But yeah, so so when you get there, you don't think it's as old. And and I do think that you also I think a lot of it has to do with the things you're involved with and the way you take care of yourself and your health, your fitness and your mindset being involved with young people and young things keeps you young and then also being around those young people you know you I stay conscious of my fitness my health my nutrition uh you know because it helps you do all those things that you that I still enjoy doing very much you know especially you know I ski quite a bit um still a lot you know all over the world try to and uh you know ride occasionally not as much as I used to but you know, when I do, I still want to go out there and ride decently and, uh, cycle quite a bit. I mean, shoot, Jeremy and I just did a nice two hour ride the other day. It was a uh, nice, uh, you know, kicking my, kicking, kicking it into high gear and out there getting after it. So, you know, that's uh, fortunately, um, if you are getting of age and you pay attention to those things and keep yourself young. And like I said, nutrition, fitness, especially got to use the armor products which keep you young so uh yeah, yeah and uh give you the ability to perform at your highest level
0: yeah it's it's cool man it's something that i yeah i mean i remember being a kid and looking at my dad when he was like at his 40th birthday and be like bro it's over like <laughs> you know and uh and now being 35 it's like it's actually something i find myself talking a lot more with like guys that are older than me and be like all right what's the secret you know how do you feel can you still do it because I mean, I've, I've, I love riding more now at 35 than I ever have in my life. I'm probably, you know, maybe some of the fittest I've ever been. I'm still, you know, really trying. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm almost prepping for 60 in a sense, because I think that, you know, you want to be able to get to that place where you've made some money, your kids are grown up, you know, you've kind of got a little bit of like that second freedom back you can travel the world doing your shit and it's like if you don't have the the meat suit of that's like a, able to keep up with that then you know you're probably going to look at and be pretty disappointed in yourself in a sense
1: Well, and and you're you're 100% right too, especially as you get older and your kids get older and then you still enjoy. You know, we got to do a lot of skiing this winter with with my, my kids and out on the mountain and still performing and out there doing your thing at a very high level is really important. And again, I will say that, you know, not just looking for you know plug on our products with Arma but it is really important to pay attention to your nutrition your fitness and then also you know if you are using you know supplements which you know is 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 where I am currently with building Arma um, you know it's it's all about using the right supplements and you know especially our product even our hydrate I mean I I drink it every day multiple times a day and then even our reload our protein first thing i wake up every morning and have i mean your body as you get older i mean your muscle a lot of deterioration of muscle it's really important to you know protein is very important and vital i mean within waking up you should within 30 to 90 minutes you know have protein in your body to to the muscles you know as they deteriorate to regenerate those muscles so you know and again i'm not just uh, just to, you know making a pitch but it's it's Big part of my life, every day of my life, every moment of my life is, you know, paying attention to uh, all about that so that I can, as I do get older, continue to stay young and be and participate in things I love to do. I don't want to be uh, old, decrepit on the couch and uh, unable to, to participate in things I love to do
0: oh man 100% was it always a focus like was that something you always kind of had in your mind or did you have like a come to Jesus moment at some point where you're like fuck I need to like figure this shit out
1: uh, I mean honestly I mean I've been uh, always a part of i've always paid attention somewhat you know there's been periods in my life where maybe i didn't pay attention as much as others but i've always i guess maybe we could say vanity is a good friend of mine because you know paying attention to yourself i mean when you can't when you're not happy with the way you you look at yourself then you know how do you expect others to look at you and 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 view you so you know i think that uh checking myself of you know My fitness and then also just which obviously is going to be sure you're going to as you're more fit, you're going to uh, be more appealing to yourself and to others. But ultimately, it's more the ability to to do what you love to do. And I think that, you know, it is all about health, fitness and nutrition watching what you eat, I mean, I've really started, I mean, shoot, even just calorie count, you know, 70 calories yep. per egg, 110 to 20 calories per slice of bread and just all those things is just paying attention to it. And uh, because it all does equal uh, a better, uh, healthier life and the ability to do what we love to do.
0: Yeah. And, and I think too, that there's definitely a bit of a hidden gem part of the action sports world and community is that it's not so much like just a sport for us I don't think you know you'll hear so many people be like oh surfing's my meditation motocross is my meditation like there's a spiritual aspect to action sports that I think you don't because a sport you stop playing or like you retire you know like you'll stop playing soccer or you'll stop doing whatever the sport is that you're doing but I think when it comes to action sports there's some kind of like spiritual element to it that makes you want to do it at 60 and 65 at you so I think we're kind of lucky in that sense that you know our sport seems to keep us around because it's attached to something a bit more than just being a sport or a fitness or a physical activity.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle and it's uh it's interesting cause I was combing through some things just recently and, you know, I, I actually started a surf brand in Pennsylvania in 1986 yeah, right. and you know, that I, I I ran into the uh, little catalog that I had developed back then. And it, you know, it was Rip Rock was the name of the brand. But it, it said, you know, it's a lifestyle. That was the tagline under the bottom of the of the logo and the brand. And, you know, the same thing with the uh, even, you know, when we were when I was a big part of uh, Monster is, you know, I tagged it, you know, lifestyle in a can. So it's yeah. all about, you know, it's a lifestyle, all of these action sports and all these things that we love to participate in. And it doesn't just end with when you do it at, you know, let's say the highest level, it's still something, whether it be motocross or or skiing or surfing, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, sports like football, you know, not many of those guys get to continue to play football, Mm. which, you know, I did in high school as well, love football, but it's not something you get to continue to participate in with all the action sports, whether it be skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing, moto, you know, people can continue to do that as long as, as long as their their fitness and health allows them to. So so that's that's my yeah. goal is to continue to do all those things that is my life and my lifestyle.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool cool to see you still living it and it's yeah, it's something that I've found myself like I I guess your mentors kind of shift as you get older, you know. So like now, I'm looking at guys that are that are still still doing their thing and 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 still killing it, you know. Like I guess showing people that you don't have to stop um, for age, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I watched a great um great movie a couple of years ago when we were uh, COVID. Um, I actually ended up out in uh, the our, my bus, my motorhome, which you know I've been had a motorhome for many years but I've never even really ridden in in the motorhome let alone drive it but during covid I was like all right I'm going to go hit some events did some GNCC did Daytona Supercross and uh you know with with Arma going to those events and one of the videos I watched actually DVD because some places where I didn't have good service or I wasn't plugged yeah, in or whatever yeah. I had amazing DVD collection I was hitting up Pilot Flying J and uh, Walmart for these big bins of closeout Three ninety nine, five ninety nine, 99 5 bought. 99 <laughs> yeah. uh, I bought the one was uh, Unbroken with Louis Zapparini. Uh, World War Two shot down in the water for 42 days and then was picked up by the Japanese. And, um, you know, this gentleman, I mean, talk about, you know, a, a crazy, you know, uh, life and then, you know, forgiveness to, to all those people that, you know, in, imprisoned him in World War Two in Japan. But, you watching all the outtakes in the end, this guy was 86 and they showed him still skateboarding in, in the parking lot behind the office building where he was. And he didn't die in, until his, uh, I think mid nineties, but you know, it was like, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, 86 out there skateboarding and, and, uh, but you know, most importantly, I think the biggest thing that he was able to do was, was release all that, anger and hatred in the early years that, you know, were was a pretty brutal movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it unbroken. It's an no, amazing no. movie, amazing story. Uh, and, uh, yeah, something that really inspired me too, as well to, um, incorporate into my life was, you know, forgiveness of, of those that you, know, maybe you feel did them, they did you wrong, but ultimately look at maybe you did something to, uh, to do, to encourage that as well, that outcome and, and just, uh, Yeah, forgiveness, not revenge. One of my, one of my mottos of life these days. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think that's super, super wise words. Have, have you ever traveled to like Vietnam or any places that have kind of, the U.S. was, was at war with at any point?
1: Mm, Well, I mean, over in Europe, but I've been to China, never been to Vietnam, never been to, um, korea my father was a korea war veteran in the navy yeah okay. um, never been to either of those but you know have been to um, europe in a lot of those regions and territories where you know world war ii over in that side of, of the pond was uh yeah so pretty interesting to yeah. see i know even in in italy you know saw places before where you could see you know bullet shell marks yeah. and ho- all that so but uh yeah
0: yeah i think grateful it's, that we it's live interesting. in a,
1: grateful we live in, in in america and that you know we uh, yeah we haven't had that here yeah in a long time. i
0: think it, it's it's really interesting when you go to those countries and you just see it's that same forgiveness that you were talking about like we do uh, it's called vietnam motorbike tours and it's like a 10-day tour across vietnam and you literally can ride from like the like you do thousands of kilometers on these bikes and you go into these places where there's still like if you put a drone up, there's just bomb craters everywhere. Like the inter- and I mean, everywhere. Like every sixty feet of either direction, there's another bomb crater. And um and I mean, there's still people. They've got no industry, no jobs, and they're literally going and they're they're pulling apart. They they're going to find unexploded mines or you know mines that have exploded and like melting down the metal to sell the metal for for resources. So that's how. War torn, these places were, and I've been there with Americans, and they're so fucking nice to all them. But like, there's just this crazy level of, of forgiveness, and just let's get on with our life, you know. And I think that so much of it comes down to the fact that they're so poor, and like just surviving is such a, a challenge, you know. So it's like they're so busy with just trying to make a living and just get by that they almost don't have the time for you know those like vengeful feelings which is a a a crazy concept you know yeah
1: i've watched some of those like i said documentaries on just you know world war ii and it's interesting they uh i I was watching one and recently and it was they were interviewing one of the uh fighter pilots from the German side, and it was you know the Americans interviewing him, and you're like, you know, and he was an ace, and he shot down this and that, and you're like, wow, wait a minute, you know, these we're not talking about like beating them in a game, we're talking yeah, about shooting people yeah. Yeah, shooting people, yeah, shooting people down, and yeah, so that that is that that would be a bit of a challenging situation to actually uh, encounter somebody that. Was on the other side of, of of the killing, but yet you know, unfortunately, I think in a lot of those cases too, it's you know they are, they are not necessarily was, were buying into what they were fighting for, but they were that's where they came from and that's the side they had to
0: fight for. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sw- switching gears a bit, I don't I don't know if you ever remember us meeting like years and years and years ago. I wasn't sure like when you asked to come on like where where your Like if you remembered us meeting or like how, if there was any connection there.
1: Well, I did. It's interesting because it uh, came up and I looked even through my uh, DMs and you hit me a while ago. And again, you know, not being Mr. Digital guy and always on. And there was a point where I was really into Instagramming and then there's, I became kind of like, where just like oh, gosh this is a job in itself of just you know posting cool stuff and uh when we started communicating and you said hey uh, i hit you up and then i saw one from a while ago so um yeah. that uh, you you would hit me up about maybe coming on but i don't remember where we where did we
0: actually be so we had it was so random it was uh i was with ben hargus and we had dinner one night in Hangtown, and uh, we we're all out at, at some place for dinner. And I, the I actually got kicked out of the place. So they were like trying to kick me out. And they were saying that I was like drunk, and I'm like, man, I've literally had two drinks. But I think like the accent being loud, and you know, we we're all kind of carrying on. And you, you gave me your black card and said, <laughs> go to the, go to the waitress that's trying to kick us out. And tell her that we'll put this down for the rest of the night for for like drinks th- for the table know, and like no, you, and leave and leave us alone.
1: You're refreshing my memory, and I do think I uh, I think I recall maybe that dinner spot was uh, not necessarily just dinner.
0: I don't think that. No. I think yeah. I think it turned into like a bar or something afterwards. But yeah. I I can't. I I want to say it was maybe 2012. I I think like that probably. I probably was because that was again
1: probably was because that was the year that jason was supposed to race for suzuki city so we would have been up there for that and ben would have been there as well probably had the bus up there yeah so that would have been yeah probably 2012 wow 11 years ago quite quite a while yeah, ago. Yeah. Wow, time, yeah, yeah. time flies but yeah i i yeah that would have been the year for sure So if Ben was there, I was there, it would have definitely been 2012. And that was the year that we had, uh, sponsored Suzuki city for Jason. And then, uh, Malcolm Stewart was on the team as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah, so that I think that might have been Literally the only time we, We'd ever met And like I'd obviously Like heard your name And all that sort of stuff And uh, and yeah, it was just I, I don't even think We really actually Got to speak that much I think you were At one end of the table I was at the other end You know, so it was like One of those kind of Kind of deals But I just remember You giving me the card And being like I think you should go there With this card And see if it If it changes the outcome Of this situation That, that,
1: that usually That usually does the trick For sure
0: so. I think I think it did from from memory.
1: Well, uh, definitely those. Uh, yeah, there's, there's been some good times with with that card and uh, <laughs> with, with with Ben as well. Ben is uh, Ben's been a been a big part of uh, a lot of things I've done over the years, and always uh, stay connected. And uh, good guy Ben is. He
0: uh, he actually is an extremely good guy. He was I was kind of. Um, mates with those boys a little bit like him and ryan penhole and and tracy and and those guys and um yeah they were always like ben was just one of those guys that he was super solid he was always around he was always involved in really cool shit he was a pretty cool guy to know over there at that time
1: yeah actually i was just talking with him about two weeks ago um right before I just went to Nashville, Tennessee to, to launch a Johnny Cash collection sunglass with Jacques Marie Marge, amazing sunglasses. So it was pretty cool. We yeah, were there okay. last week for that. It was awesome. Yeah, so. right.
0: So so what uh, so what have you got going on these days? Obviously, like the armor stuff, um, but I get the sense that you're just one of those guys that's into like a lot of different things. So I guess like lay out the landscape of, uh, of what your life is like at the moment.
1: Well, you know, there was a period where I was uh, definitely doing the the whole representing, you know, athletes, and you know that that I would say, you know, definitely uh, Jason, I'd say, used up all my brain power and uh, yeah, it took to, the bandwidth to deal with the bandwidth to to, to deal with that. But now that was that was a good that was good times and, and good memories. But mostly is you know, building brands, you know, I really yeah. enjoyed, especially when you know when Monster, you know, that was that shifted from where it originally began when you know Spy when we took Spy public and then I left there you know I started Crown AMG Crown Athlete Management Group which uh you know not only was it to represent athletes but then it was also you know a marketing agency that we then you know Monster was when I left Spy you know and we were doing a Hansen's Energy program I then you know pushed them to say, Hey, you know, guys, I mean, Monster, uh, let's, let's use what we were doing with Hanson's energy to apply that to Monster. So that started the, the really engaging the marketing side, which I continue to do the marketing relationship with Spy as well. But ultimately, you know, then, you know, athletes, tons of athletes, tons of deals and athletes and representation. But, you know, when that kind of all came to an end, you know, when my relationship changed with Monster and then, uh, started looking at, you know, I really enjoyed the the building brand part of things. And that's kind of what I always really wanted to do as well when I, even starting a surf brand in Pennsylvania in 1986, you know, I look at brands as a persona and you know, yep. my nickname being my nickname being Hollywood. I mean, I'm a poor kid from Connellsville, Pennsylvania. That's a hillbilly. And, but yet, you know, my nickname became Hollywood, which, you know, I believe Tim Cotter's the one that gave me that when I was racing at high point Point, still city as a kid. And, you know, they'd say, yeah. let's go down and talk to Hollywood. I'm like, well, that's a lot cooler than Scott from Connellsville, Pennsylvania. So you know, then I realized that then you know uh, the persona of maybe what you represent is also what a brand is as well. It's a it's it's you know it's lifestyle in a can. Well, it's a you know Monster Energy drink in a can, but yet you know that persona was oh it's it represents a lifestyle, and you know I really enjoy that you know creating something that then is it's it's not just a product or a brand, it represents something and it represents this what we were yeah. talking about earlier is a lifestyle, who you are, and then it's, you know, then what you want to be involved in. And to me, those brands also, uh, when you exude that lifestyle and things that you're a part of, people will gravitate towards being a part of it because you also are authentic with what they do in their life and with their lifestyle so so brands is where i've really focused and arma has been a big big one uh for me it's been you know quite a quite a few changes over the years of what original inception was but um you know it's been a something that i've been very passionate about you know i love the brand i love the branding I love the logo I love the look yeah and you know i've been very fortunate to uh you know get jeremy uh, mcgrath involved with me uh in the in the beginning of where we are now with the supplements um you know and then nick way and adam sincerilla um chad reed you know really important that those guys you know really have been a big part of helping us develop the products that we have as well and um also just to stay consistent with that lifestyle that it represents you know what we're all about whether it be you know moto cycling skiing mountain biking just you know action adventure endurance uh, sports that you know all of these our products help you perform at the highest level and uh so that's been the big part of my, that's pretty much my day-to-day focus, but you know, there's other projects that I really enjoy. You know, I love sunglasses. I love glasses. Um, always been, uh, even my rip rock brand character, you know, he had glasses on and just being from you know, spy spent many years there, uh, helping build that brand and company and then going public and then exiting after that. But, um, you know, love, love glasses. And, uh, been fortunate to be a part of uh jerome maj i'm not sure if you know jerome was the designer at no fear and spy and Uh, then he does stuff for uh you know shift and 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 burton and uh so jacques marie maj is the brand uh amazing brand and you know high-end uh eyewear and uh so that was cool i was able to inspire that uh collection of johnny cash collection um two frames that were launched. So that was just last week we were in Nashville, Tennessee for that launch. And, uh, and then also we're getting ready to, uh, launch, uh, a, a, a new e-bike company. Um, oh, so sweet. yeah. So, uh, myself, Jeremy McGrath, Bob Harrow, Eddie Cole, um, it's, uh, yeah, 101 bikes. So that's getting ready to, uh, to be launched and, uh, yeah. So that's an amazing project that we're working on as well
0: that's awesome yeah okay well maybe we'll spend a bit of time breaking down each of those uh lanes i guess uh yeah and i don't and i i guess i'll inject
1: here is like you tell me i'm not mr it's funny this is only the second podcast that i've done i've had so many requests to do podcasts and then i did the one with um steve mathis which was really good and steve and i uh yeah, it's good to connect there but so i don't know how this works how the flow you clip it so you tell me what, to, what we just to do. sit we just sit down for three and talk, hours and, talk. and we just got talk
0: it. and then i just don't we just post slice it, and how it, dice is. it got it okay so um so you I, post yeah, it was, how
1: it is or do you slice and dice or how do nah, you I, don't,
0: so how it works is there's a full so we do three hours basically every time two and a half to three hours and then we take that full audio. We don't edit anything unless we go for a piss and then we cut the piss break out. But it just goes up in the three-hour chunk on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. And then we kind of like clip it and pull stuff down from there. But yeah, so it's just pretty much... Pretty much just a start to finish top to bottom conversation. I never really have any questions prepared or anything, so just kind of conversational stuff. I didn't didn't expect to be talking about borders in Europe, you know, so I think I, well, like, the, it just, I like the flow, you know, like when, it, when you don't have a plan, you can go to interesting places where we've already been so far, you know.
1: Well, it is interesting because the, my name does bring up, like when I go to Europe, you know, people immediately are like, oh, Sepkovich, because it, a lot of the people pronounce it uh sepkovich you know even yeah. with a little slash above the C. Yeah, yeah um yeah. so you know when i'm there people are like oh yeah you're you know they think you're you know there you're a Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. so so that's kind of you know and i i i do enjoy watching a lot of the history stuff uh so yeah. so, nah, so it's that's cool op- so it's authentic so, of my me so
0: yeah so i was i actually heard uh What's his name? Is it Alex Hemosi? You know, that brand guy? I was actually listening to a clip yesterday of him, and he was talking about branding. And uh, he was saying that a, a brand is almost like a bouquet of flowers. So, like, you the brand does these different things, like, which is, I guess would represent each individual flower, whether it's, like, a product, it's the website, it's the merch, it's the app. So, it's, like, it's all of these individual flowers, but the brand is when it comes together as the bouquet and it's like you're kind of like trying to build this this all-encompassing thing and it's like it's got these individual parts but then it comes together um and I, i thought that was quite an interesting way to characterize a brand so as a guy that has built brands do you kind of agree with with that in a sense
1: well to me you know there's brands and then there's products and then there's there's logos and then there's icons Something becomes iconic once you apply to it. You know, there's I'll see cool logos all the time. It may be a concrete company that doesn't really mean anything, but oh well, that's a cool logo. But it's not iconic because it hasn't had the application of all of the mojo that you put behind in building a brand that then makes a logo iconic. For example, yeah. you know, just like Monster, you know, it was okay, Monster initially was you know i mean when they launched the brand i mean they launched it with elvira you know lady of the night halloween well that to me in my opinion which you know fortunately i was able to inject uh you know what we had done with hansen's energy to then apply which we also is a collab marketing program at spy which at spy you know we were all about you know applying the mojo of you know athletes events you know cool factor to the logo which would then made it you know an iconic brand and then the same with monster it was then attaching all of those personalities and and uh, uh, events but ultimately it's you know aspirational lifestyle imagery is what yeah. makes a brand and a logo become iconic you know I, I i forget where i heard that put best was it's you know aspirational lifestyle imagery i mean we all aspire to you know, do this or be there or do that or, you know, ski on that mountain or ride that motocross, you know, track or, you know, so that's our aspirations. And then, you know, then the lifestyle part of it is like, okay, I'm skiing in the Alps or I'm at a, you know, motocross race or a MotoGP event, you know, so that's a cool lifestyle that you're associated with. So then it's applying that imagery to, uh, you know, a a, a logo, which then makes that logo become iconic. And people want to associate, put those glasses on your face or have that can, you know, my analogy always used to be, even when we were, when we, when I was a big part of uh, monster was, you know, that can represented this lifestyle that when a guy's having a hardworking day and he pops into a AM PM or seven 11 and he grabs that can and he opens it up. It's all that imagery that he sees on television, whether it was you know X Games with snowboarders or surfers or monster girls or you know one of the athletes on the podium with that can. It's you know, you know that it's just that refreshing drink ties him to all of that that aspiration. So so that's it's
0: it's it's almost like a uniform in a sense, you know, like you're putting on the uniform by holding that can.
1: Hundred percent, and you know uniforms. I mean. You know, think about it, you know, male vanity. I mean, we're all about a uniform. I mean, think about, I don't know when you started playing sports, but I know myself, you know, playing your know, Pop Warner football. I mean, on uniform day, I mean, me and my buddies, I mean, we, we had a walk to uh, the football practice, which was probably four or five miles from our little neighborhood in cottlesville pennsylvania and go get our uniforms that day but i mean the the walk was worth it because we were going to get our uniforms and and then you know whether it became whether it was your your football uniform but then then it was now look at your your motocross gear which you know it's i mean come on we're all about you know the right gear the helmet paint job hundred percent. that whole thing is and and for myself you know that was a big part of you know, which I, I think gave me my, the Hollywood nickname was, you know, my helmet scheme, you know, the stickers placements and paint jobs weren't as, weren't as, uh, uh, significant, uh, as they can be now the helmet paint jobs, uh, back in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties, but it still was all about the helmet, the gear, the sticker placement, everything just being perfect. So I do think that, yeah, all of that is very, uh, and again, that to me is, you know, just like you said, that bo- that bouquet is the same as all those things that I'm describing there creates yeah. that, you know, all those pieces, the petals of the the flowers or the flowers in the bouquet creates that image of, you know, the end result then of who you are, especially when you're sitting there on the starting line thinking you're looking pretty badass and ready to go. Because when you look yeah. good, you feel good. So,
0: yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And I, and I think that there's an element of, being able to i guess describe your own style there's like a visual what you can visually represent how you feel or who you think you are like by dressing a certain way or having a certain like graphic scheme on your bike or you know a certain brand that you're associated with like I think that there's definitely something in that too. Like you can signal to other people, this is who I am. And I mean, let's say with armor, it's like if you're drinking out of an armor bottle, then it's like, it's obvious that, okay, this guy takes his health seriously. This guy probably trains. This guy probably has an active lifestyle. Like there's all of these subtle signals that we're giving out when we are, you know, with a brand like i i don't drink monster like i i'm not a monster kind of guy you know i'm a red bull kind of guy like there's a pretty clear line in the sand of who would drink what or who you would expect to see drinking what in a sense too you know so i think that that's also part of the like branding is probably more two-way than what we actually think it is in a sense you know like your your clientele also has a bit of a say in what your brand is
1: well and I, I, I again you know the uh the the past with you know monster was a big part of the image of the brand was the apparel and then who wore the apparel and the t-shirts and uh, it it is exactly what you said is somebody's wear back especially in the beginnings of monster if somebody you saw wearing a t-shirt or sweatshirt, you knew they were attached to action sports in some way because it wasn't readily available everywhere. So that immediately, like you said, it's either a flag or, you know, a club that you're involved in. So it spoke volume to who you were and what you do. And, oh, that person must either moto, skate, surf, snow. So I do think that a brand does give you uh an idea of who the person is whether they're wearing you know high and sunglasses you know oh that person really uh appreciates quality things whether it's a watch it's a watch or it's you know just all of those things uh think about it there's none of it that we really need a t-shirt on your back and a pair of pants to cover yourself is probably really all we need but there's thought put into what it is that you're going to wear and represent who you are and how you want to be perceived to people is by yeah. the dressing you put on the, again, it's just like a liquid in a can. It's like, well, it's just liquid in a can. And then you skin it with a, with a yeah. brand that speaks all that aspirational lifestyle imagery. Okay. That defines what it is, who it is. It's, it's yeah. so, so absolutely all those things are as much as they are applied to brands, they're applied to us. And that's why I look at us ourselves. And even at myself, like I said, when, you know, I, I, Created uh, my company rip rip rock back in the 80s and then even my nickname came about it's like okay so here's something now i can you know uh, develop as a persona which is who i am you know so yeah so yeah very very interesting the way that all of that actually you know who we are as people is also who products are as a brand
0: oh yeah i completely agree speaking of watches what watch is that
1: oh that's panerai so okay. I got a big watch guy and this is the Panerai. So yeah, okay. eight, eight day power reserve. So
0: yeah. Yeah, no, said, yeah. It's, it's funny. The, the watch thing, like I think once you understand something about watches, uh, you can really tell a lot about a person by the watch that they have. And I mean, uh, I find myself like, especially living in Dubai, everyone's got watches and everyone's, you know, it's, it's a real, like, a thing there, you know, and um, it's funny, like, I, I saw a picture of a guy yesterday on Instagram and he had, like, a gold yacht master on and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel like he's the kind of guy that would have that that watch and I noticed, like, Jeremy did Race Day Live and, uh, and he's got a Daytona. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of cool, like, Jeremy knows what a Rolex Daytona is and so there's so much in... The things that you wear, you know, and the way that that you wear certain things that can like really tell, you know, a lot um, uh, about a person. I mean, even like in the watch world, like I like doxers That's like the first ever dive watch that came out of Switzerland, you know. And it's like I could wear that. I could wear that watch, and it doesn't really look that flashy. It doesn't look like anything crazy. But if you're a watch person, you were, and you knew what a doxer was that then would tell that would tell you about me, like, oh, this guy actually knows about watches. So it is super interesting. And I think that maybe people don't even think about that as much in terms of like how what they're saying by the things that they're wearing or doing.
1: I would say that as much as maybe they don't think about it, there's obviously a conscious decision when they made that purchase to yeah. st- to have some type of, whether it's just appreciation for it, but I still yeah. do think that no matter what it is that we put on, I think that there's a, I think, I don't know if it's with everybody. Maybe some people don't give it any thought. Maybe that's a lot easier way to live. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, especially, especially when you, uh, get in the business world, um, which you know for me I was actually I think my first impression of a watch person actually was was skiing when I started as I grew up being a, a poor kid that worked in a dental shop I literally they made dentures in the back lab and the the, the owner the dentist who uh, had a kind of a uh, a son that was a bit of a handful, but he was only, yeah. I think 14, so he couldn't drive himself to the ski resort, so the the Dr. Nicolette offered to uh, for me to drive his son to go skiing, and he would get me a ski pass and give me his Jeep Wagoneer, and then Nicky, who was his uh, son, who was a bit of a hellion, rest his soul, he's uh, no longer with us, um, but we would uh, I'd come to the doctor's office, or to the house, pick up the Wagoneer, pick up Nick. Before we were out of the driveway, Nick's like, you know, get the f out of the front seat i'm driving he'd light up his joint we'd we'd drive to a seven Springs ski resort in pennsylvania and but i had not been and this is you know i was 19 20 and yeah. although i was you know pretty serious athlete was racing at the time you know did play football was pretty athletic but nick uh whipped me into shape as a skier and uh, I mean, Nick was an amazing skier. And within one year, the next year I tried out to be a ski instructor and I became a ski instructor. And that's where I was kind of introduced to like money and like, Oh wow. So yeah. all of this stuff really means, makes a difference in, Oh, the chicks you pick up and the parties you go to and the cars you drive because none of that as a, a kid, all I cared about was my dirt bike and ride my dirt bike. Um, none of it mattered until I saw that it did matter. It made a difference in things and opportunities that, you know, came to you in life as well. And, you know, I, I don't want to, yeah, maybe there, I'd say there was a big part of my life where I became very materialistic and, you know, I can tell you that, you know, that's not, I mean, I still like nice things. I appreciate nice things, but, you know, being consumed with that material, um, in worldly things is, uh, you know i'd like to be known for when i do pass it's not all the worldly things i had it's the things that i did and things i did for other others and a mark that i left on people and impression and good things versus, oh, all the material that he had, because that was a big part of who I became for quite a while, especially then trying to live up to the Hollywood nickname. That's not where it initially began. I think it began because, you know, Tim, again, I looked like some California surf kid, but I was a hillbilly from Pennsylvania and let's go talk to Hollywood. But, but the whole point there is, is that, you know, seeing that, that material, what, what it, what it, meant to others and what it you know yeah it's very materialistic but it does um open different doors for you and people look at you differently so yeah. um and especially in the business world I mean I realized then but but back to the I'm sorry the first watch impression as much as I saw him at you know the ski resort I think it was Brock Clover uh back as a moto guy wearing a gold presidential Rolex and I'd say that yeah, was yeah. probably in the like eighty, eighty one. he was factory yamaha and being a moto guy i'm like dude that's sick that's a sick watch you know the gold presidential yeah. and being you know moto was really my main passion and was very impressed with with that and i'm like and then you know as i started to do things and then i started to have some successes in life you know the first thing i bought was the was the you know Rolex Yachtmaster. So, you know, to start yeah, that yeah, whole. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. away we went. And then watch, watch, watch. And then even you referred to Jeremy. I have a I have a, a poster or framed uh, picture Jeremy gave me. And he's like to Hollywood, the watchman. Because me and Jeremy and Jimmy Button and watches were very... All the riders back, back in the uh, 90s. I mean, watches, watches, watches. And Jeremy has quite a collection, by the way. He's got some badass watches, so...
0: Well, I mean, I saw that Daytona on Race Day Live and I was like, "Hmm, okay. Well, if he's got that, he's got some other shit too cuz you that's not your Rolex Daytona is not your first Rolex unless you want to go and pay like 120,000 right now." Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh it it is it is a it's a cool world I think if you understand it as well. Like you can actually make quite a bit of money in that in that world if you make like the right decisions. I think people I think people on the outside could go like oh that's a crazy waste of money but realistically like if you buy the right watch you're never gonna lose money on it i wonder if most of those boys would still have those rolexes from back then or those watches because i mean dude the prices have just gone up like crazy in the last few years
1: well again we were actually just talking recently jeremy and i about watches i had a gentleman hit me up knowing that i'm I, i am connected in the watch watch world and Someone hit me up and asked me about the uh which one is it? it's the Daytona it's like hundred and thirty or something and he's like, Hey, I'd have a guy that wants two of them and then I actually hit Jeremy up but uh Jeremy doesn't have any interest in getting rid of uh, you know they're like you said they're great pieces and they' are yeah. kind of timeless but he definitely has some other badass uh badass uh, uh rolexes and and watches but you know it's interesting because I think there's a period in your life where for me, it, I, I do enjoy and still appreciate a nice, nice things, but you know, uh, there was a period where I was like, okay, I have this, but no, now I need that. Oh, now I have that. Mm. Now I need that. I need this. I need this. I need this. So, you know, younger people will ask me uh, or people that are maybe starting to realize some success. They're like, what advice can you give me? And uh, my biggest piece of advice is you don't need, it's always that, thing that you think is the thing that's really going to fulfill you. And I'd say, I really chased that for quite a while. And, um, you know, I think ultimately it's being happy with who you are is what's going to really make you happy the most and the good things you're doing and the, and and success of, you know, winning. And that means, you know, achieving success is, is, is what's going to fulfill you most. Yeah. Rewarding yourself with something nice is, is, is a good thing to do, but don't make that the, uh, what you think is going to fulfill you especially the car game you know i was pretty pretty uh went pretty crazy for a while with the with the cars you know had the had the porsche the bentley the ferrari lambo audi mercedes like all at once like no <laughs> just have have one nice car you don't need to yeah. uh, it's like okay i have this now i need that now i have that now i need that. it's like more 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 and i think that you know that's where I would say that you know one of my biggest I don't want to say it's a regret at all because I can at least say that I, I had done it but my biggest piece of advice to someone would be is you don't need that to to, to fulfill uh your happiness you know and uh chasing 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 is uh, uh is it's not something I highly recommend I highly recommend chasing happiness within yourself so
0: yeah yeah it's um it's a uh it's a hard lesson to learn, though, and I think especially, um, like, I didn't grow up with, with much money, and I I feel like a lot of the trauma I had in my life came as a result of knowing I didn't, like, of knowing we were poor, in a sense, you know, and I think that, I don't know, maybe it sounds like a similar sort of thing for you, it's not like you guys come from a lot of money, like, we had motocross, and we had going to the tracks and camping and stuff, but... Like I think I bought my first pair of Nikes when I was in America for the first time at like 21 years old or something, you know? And I think that one of the things I think about is now that I've, I've definitely been fortunate enough to meet a lot of really successful people and the people that are on like the extreme high end of success want to live on a farm and enjoy mowing their lawn and like hanging out with their wife. And it's like, this is people that have like hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think that when you, maybe it's like sometimes a bit of a trap is when you don't have money and you don't grow up with money, you never get to be around people with real money. And the people that you do get to be around are kind of like the people floating around in the middle. And I, and I, I kind of have like a bit of a rule of thumb in life where like you meet Ricky Carmichael, like fucking nicest dude in the world, right? That's the top of the top of the top. You meet like Daniel Ricciardo, fucking Jack Miller. Like they're the guys that they just, they fully made it to top. Mick Dorn. They're the nicest fucking coolest people. But then I would meet the guys that were, like, getting eighth and fifth and sixth. And they are like, they're still on the come up, but they've got a little bit of success. And they were very often the douchebags. And then the people that were at the very bottom, just the average Joe, the fucking plumber that goes to the track with his son, that dude was a legend as well. So, to me, it was, like, always the people in the middle that kind of sucked. It was never the people that on, like, the extreme high end. And, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe when you don't grow up with that much money, you never really, you never get exposed to a dude that's worth like a hundred million dollars. That's kind of like learned all the lessons in a sense. So you kind of, your idea of wealth or the people that you get to be around that have money are the guys that they're in the middle, they're chasing and chasing and chasing and they're you only know they're rich because they're, they show everyone that they're rich because they got cars and they got whatever. So it's like, you kind of end up with like a bit of a skewed perspective of like what money and, and buying shit actually gives you, you know? And I think that that's definitely one of the lucky things that I've had in life is to meet a couple of people on like the very high end that went, okay, all of this is bullshit. Like they don't own any of the things that you would classically think a successful person owns, you know?
1: Well, I mean, I think you're 100% right, too. Growing up without, I think that for myself, a lot of it was pursuit of making up for what I thought was important. But I can tell you, I didn't grow out with a loving family. I didn't grow up without an amazing father who was, you know, did everything he could to help me pursue my my dreams, especially with riding dirt bikes and racing. Um, And, uh, you know, so my, my upbringing was... I mean, it was very poor. I mean, we shoot. My dad was a free lay potato chip truck driver. And there was a point where we didn't even have a car. We would go to church. There were seven kids that we would go to church in the back of the truck. So, I mean, like, you know, and I'm not crying, the uh, you know, poor me story, which I could tell you that my upbringing was amazing. I mean, I didn't even know yeah. what rich or poor was because I was so rich with happiness and love and good family. And, you know, uh, playing in my neighborhood with my buddies. I mean, it was football, baseball, basketball. I mean, you know, hiking the street was like, uh, the, uh, a river run, not a river run through it, but, um, stand by me lifestyle, hiking yeah. the stream with all my buddies camping up in yeah. the field and sled riding in the winter with a campfire. And it was just, you didn't even know that. Yeah, you, you know, maybe it m- was em- more money. It was embarrassing that, you know, when you get picked up in football practice and you know, at one point my dad had a a Vega, which is a crappy little, you know, card, but it was a green, forest green, but you know, it had an orange door because the door had got banged in and it's like you get picked up in that by your mom and you know, you're embarrassed yeah. that you know it's but but at the same time though, you know, all of those things that I didn't have also lit a fire in me to get things that 100%. I wanted. Yeah. And you know I didn't my parents couldn't afford to buy me a dirt bike and at 13 I mowed mowed lawns shoveled snow mm-hmm. uh was a janitor after football practice for 2 hours and then I'd come home and take papers and saved up enough money to buy a, a dirt bike in 1997 a uh, 1977 was a Mako 250 that was a big mistake at 13 I should have <laughs> bought the the other bike the guy had was a RM125 but I liked that red Mako German I'm like oh German quality and that that my buddies ended up calling me Mako Breko because that thing broke all the time but 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 the point is is that you know the value of working my butt off to 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 earn the money to buy that which then the other half of the money, I I think I made $1,300, say at $1,300, I bought the bike for 700 and the rest of the money I ended up spending over the next year, every time it broke, fixing it, fixing it. And then my dad actually helped me get a loan, didn't buy me a bike, but helped me get a loan. I was in ninth grade to buy a RM 125 in 1978. And then, um, I did my first race at high point, uh, in the C class and then started getting pretty good at it. And, uh, yeah, away we went, and then it was by 1982. Got a Honda support ride where you got free bikes and parts, and da da da. And you know we were on our way. But yeah, it was uh, the value of understanding that hard work it took for me to get what I had mm. was so valuable to, to to myself. And then also though, showing me that you know if I want something and I put my mind to it, I want to figure out a way to get it. I want to figure out a way to get to what I want. And earn the money and earn the, the the success. To me, it was about earning that reward. You know, I always say to people, it's like you know, scoring a touchdown in football. If you look up on the board and you don't see the six points go up, it's like it still felt good when you went into the end zone, yeah, caught the ball, got yeah, yeah. touchdown. But it really feels good when you look up and you see the six points. That's just true. how it. That's just how it is when you when you are successful and you start having wins in business. And the checks are in the bank, checks are in the bank, the checks keep stacking up. The thing that I say is, is it's then, you know, what do you do with that success is where, you know, I would say for myself, you know, that I I would choose different ways to uh, enjoy that success. And not completely, but, you know, just just be prepared that, you know, hey, something can always change and I'm not being a pessimistic person because I'm not I'm the eternal optimist. But you know yeah. just be just be you don't yeah, you don't need to get everything and yeah, all of it at once, and just 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 be easy, take your time, enjoy success and be happy, find happiness,
0: yeah, yeah, and I, and I think man it's such it's so it's so relatable, like everything you said is extremely relatable to I guess my life and and yeah, I think that it's like a pendulum swing, you know, like without the without the upbringing that you had, and you know, because I think for me it was like. I never thought about it at all until I went to school. And then as soon as you go to school and then you see what other people have and then other people tell you what you don't have, then I think that that's when it like starts to kind of like get into your mind a little bit, you know? And it's like so you're on this side and then you're like, "All right, I'm going to overcompensate." I'm I was a kid like the first day I could legally have a job, I had a job and was, you know, mowing lawns, washing cars, like the whole and it was all into like this overcompensation kind of, you know, mode that you sort of go into. And, um, and yeah, I think, I mean, when I, when I met you was probably in that overcompensation phase too, you know, like you were, oh, definitely. That, that was probably around the time where you were at your wildest in that respect.
1: Yeah. And I would say that, you know, again, I, I don't want to say the regrets. It's just, it's just learning, Uh, you know, what the, you know, like I, I tell people is, is, you know, people say, well, you know, they say money can buy you happiness and, you know, they say, well, that's what people that don't have it say. But, you know, so my, my whole view on, on success and money is it definitely can't buy you happiness, but it can, it gives you the ability to have freedom and you can make choices. And then it's a matter of what choices do you make? Do you make good decisions? Do you make good choices? Do you make foolish choices? And I would say, unfortunately for myself, you know, there's definitely been some, I wouldn't say foolish, but definitely wasteful choices. How about that? We'll go with wasteful choices where you could, uh, you could definitely have uh, done better things with those choices financially, or you could uh, have, you know, give yourself more freedom uh, for a longer period of time to make, to, 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 to make, to give you that freedom. It's the choice you make that gives you freedom. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm not a therapist,
1: by the way. I'm not trying to. I've just seen it myself. You know, I talk to myself every day, and I, you know, and I, uh, you know, I do, uh, you know, talk to the man above, that I, you know, my relationship there. That I, I mean, I try to be. I'm not a. I'm not like you know. I'm not preaching to people, but I, I do try to within myself be a better person every day, and 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 try to treat others as I'd like to have them treat me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's funny. There's a there's a saying that. Yeah, like money can't buy you happiness, but money can solve your money problems. And I think that that's probably like the the first step people should try and make is like, all right, let's get enough money to solve my money problems. And then I think you put it a really great way then. It's like it gives you the freedom to then make choices, but it just doesn't guarantee you that you're going to make the right choices. And I think then to to touch on what you said about, you know, you don't want to like preach you're trying to just live a better life every day. I honestly think that's the move. <laughs> like, I I think that most people don't want to listen when you bring preach. You know, like how many people will come to you with a problem and they're like, tell you their problem, 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 and you've got a solution, and you're like, okay, cool. Well, you should just do this, and then they they don't want. That's not what people want. Like, people don't want to be coached. People don't want to be told. A rare rare people do, but I think that the the biggest impact that that you can make in another person's life is by living your life in a certain way and it's almost like leading by examples almost the only way that you can lead
1: so um, my father just passed away it'll be three years uh, in July at 83 and you know he was a very good godly man and but he wasn't always you know my brother passed away when he was six i was four of leukemia kind of brought my dad uh you know Mm. he didn't think anything could beat him in life and it brought him to become a different person and create a relationship with uh with god And when he just passed away, he gave me one of his Bibles. And even this morning I was reading, you know, reading it and just reading some of the stuff. And even on the back, he has inscribed on it, you know, be a good example to other men or be a good example to others. And, you know, to me is and again. By no means am I, a, 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 I'm not at all, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a perfect person. I do things that, you know, some would say, oh, that's not, I, I'm not at all saying that I'm some, you know, preaching God person, which, you know, I have a relationship with God, but the point is, is for myself is, you know, if, is try to lead by example, especially what I'd like to, how I'd like to be is again, how I want others to treat me. I'm going to treat others in a kind way. Even my mom. A couple of weeks ago, I was on the phone with her. She's 86, and she's, you know, as I'm hanging up, she still lives in Pennsylvania. All my siblings do, and she says to me, she's like, "Honey, always do the right thing and be kind to others." You know, and it's like, it doesn't cost you anything to be kind. does yeah, it yeah, cost you yeah. anything to be nice. So I try to try to incorporate that into my daily life. So,
0: yeah. Was there was there a uh, your mom sounds like a G by the way. Um, was there she a she like was, a
1: biggest she was my biggest
0: fan when i when i when i sucked racing where
1: did i pull off the track and go right to my mom oh honey you 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 looked amazing you were great and i'd get to my dad to be like we're done we're this we're done with this you're you're not serious (laughs) like but my mom would be like oh you looked
0: amazing Uh, that's unreal so what did you have like is there any kind of noticeable turning point or shift where this became like your main focus because there's Mm. the this one person that you were saying like probably made some foolish choices probably cared about the wrong things and then you know sitting here today is this person like is there a clear line in the sand is there like a point that happened or is it just like a gradual shift that you make as you get older and accumulate more knowledge
1: Oh, I would definitely say that it was the experiences along the way. Um, especially when you're flying high and, you know, there's nothing in the world that seems like, you know, I mean, shoot, you can't buy, you can buy anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can this, you can that. And then, you know, something unexpected changes all that. And, you know, that's kind of an eye opener, but, you know, I would really say, um, I really, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, this whole Johnny cash thing was not, uh, influenced or inspired by me to do with, uh, Jerome Jock Marie Maj because I just thought it was cool. And he was a glass guy. It's like, I really, I watched a lot of stuff on Johnny and read a lot of stuff on Johnny cash. And, you know, even if you watch the, I walked the line movie, I mean, Johnny's whole thing was look, you know, I hate the drugs. I hate what they do to me. I hate the, I hate, you know, there's so many things in his life that he hated, but yet he also then said, but I still crave them every day. I still crave, you know, it's like there's yeah. this part of you that's like, you got the devil and the angel on the shoulder. It's like, you know, there's a part of you that, you know, for me, by no means, am I trying to say that, look, I mean, am I still going to have a good time? Am I still going to have drinks and this and that. I'm not even saying that I'm completely cured of of bad thinking or bad choices or I just saying that every day I try to make a, I try to make good decisions, try to make good choices and try to be kind to others and always do the right thing. So I can every day make the attempt at doing so not necessarily going to be completely successful every day, all the time, but with that in your mind and in, in, in your thought process, even I said to my mother, who is an amazing, uh, amazing, absolute amazing person, um, you know, I said to her, "I'm like, mom, boy, I could have been a real hellion if you wouldn't have instilled in me the difference between right and wrong, and mm. you know, knowing that uh, difference and you know, having a great upbringing and a, a very good a moral uh, moral compass around you really does uh, make you think about choices you're making, bad ones, good ones, when you're making them, is this the right thing, is the wrong thing, but again, not always uh, a guarantee that you're going to make." I'm going to make the right choice and or decision. But I mm. every every day remind myself to try to do so. Not try, yeah. do so. And then we'll see how the end of the day comes. Did we win or lose? So,
0: Yeah. Man, Johnny Cash is a is such a cool story. I mean, when he was like down and out playing, you know, these shows to 30, 40 people in, you know, kind of around California, meets Rick Rubin, does the uh, the Nine Inch Nails cover. And it's just completely revitalizes the dude's life in his in his 60s. And he, then he goes on to make, what, like another nine albums or something of just like incredible music. And you, it's, I mean, that's kind of like the fucked up thing too, though, right? Is like what made that guy so special was like you could, like he sung, it was Hurt, I'm pretty sure was the name yep, of the nine inch yep, Yeah. Yep. And, and it's Rick Rubin, like,
1: you're accurate there.
0: And you, and you, you hear hurt, like you hear the pain, like he, and if he didn't go through the hurt, then he couldn't have sung hurt in that way. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, he really poured that out. I mean, that was, that was all real, um, you know, and that's, what's interesting. I mean, I, again, I I love watching documentaries and there's, there's a good one. It's uh, man in black is, uh, you can, I think you watch it on demand on demand. And then there's another one, Johnny cash redemption, that's another good one, but you watch those and it really, it's, it's, it's a, a great enlightening story uh, of, of his life. And, and again, it's, you know, my, my uh, reason that I'm so intrigued with him is because when you watch that, I think, you know, you'll see a lot of personalities that even, you know, you, you know, and Ben and hanging out with me at Hangtown and probably I'm sure we were talking about some, you know, some, 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 doing going out to this party or that party or this club or that club, that, that adult (laughs) club. And you know, when you watch who he was as a person and you're like, wow, you know, again, you know, you had the light and the dark and the good and the bad and the, and the, so, there's a lot that I uh, relate to and especially, you know, he even, when he did all of his prison tour stuff, uh, Folsom County prison and San Quentin, which actually yeah. uh, one, of, one of the frames from, uh, Jacques Marie Maj, JMM is the Quentin, um, which, uh, and then the other one is the cash, which Johnny was wearing when he was arrested uh, in, uh, down in El Paso, uh, yeah. when he was in as Mexico, when he got popped with about 1100 pills on him. So, but again, it just, you're like okay this guy you know you can relate to because he made bad choices good choices huge successes back to failures up to success good bad so you know it's 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 kind of that it's 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 something i can relate to and yeah, at the same yeah. time and especially with upbringing he grew up in a very uh, religious christian home and the same for me but uh yeah it's uh yeah it's it's all cool. it's all about life
0: yeah yeah and i think he's such a cool representation of how long life is you know i, I think it's so hard to put into perspective or live every day knowing how long your life it actually is i mean even like so for me right this year is just a fuck up basically but it's i did it to myself like i move, i'm doing building the studio in dubai i'm like working on my visa to get back to the US and then I'm spending some time in Australia and it's like I've got all this shit that's you know going on and every day it like kind of (laughs) sucks in like certain certain periods of of you know like I don't have a a house that I'm living at I'm staying here I'm doing this and like my wife's having to go through this So, so there's like all this it's like shit but I did it to myself it's for a reason there's like a goal that's kind of attached to it we're doing it for a purpose but it's like i'm finding myself just having to be like all right man relax everything's fine this was the plan life is long this is one year that you know you've got to deal with like these specific challenges and i think that you know like having that perspective of this is just one year of your life there's many more to come yeah and i think that we sometimes lose that and it's like when the shit stuff does happen it's like we're so close to it this day it's all that matters it's only today how do i feel right now and i think you know you look at a guy like johnny cash that's goes the the highs and the lows and has this unbelievably long career and you know success over extended period of time like there's just so much value in playing the long game
1: Well, the interesting thing there, though, is, is unfortunately he didn't have a very long life. Well, he died at 70. He died at 71. And when I watched that, you know, even when I watch all these documentaries and see how his health towards the end was really failing. That's where I remind myself of how important it is to nutrition fitness uh you know and and of course i'm sure he was involved in youthful things i mean shoot i mean sitting around the table with you too and the clash and rick rubin and you know all these other people that you know the clash i'm a huge you know joe strummer yeah. fan and yeah. and and when you so he was involved in youthful things but how important it is to then be conscious of all of those things that you know i can't be stressed enough how you know myself i mean i i really have started becoming you know a steward of my father used to say i wasn't a very good steward of my success but i'm really trying to ensure that i'm a good steward of my health fitness mm. nutrition um hence uh you know arm out by the way is hydrate in the bottle here amazing but yeah just paying attention to all those things you know i love there's nothing better than big bowl of ice cream or some candy sweets this that da, da, da. but you know I, i'm realizing that you know i want the long game in life and if you know when the when that health healthy life is is no longer me you know i, I I'd, I'd say the bring me on up there uh bring me home you know because i don't want to be i don't want to be an ailing old man that's not enjoying life because to me yeah. it's uh if you're not if you're not living you're dying and when you're when you're when you're at the end and you're not and you're not fit, healthy, and able to participate in things you love, to me, that's uh, when it's. I don't know when when I get yeah. there. Maybe I'll have a di- maybe I'll have a different thought when I'm when I'm actually there. Nah, I'm good. That all that stuff I said a while back was not not real. I yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. that was that was years ago of. that I didn't realize when I'm here that I still want to be here. But anyway, I I, I so I just try to ensure that you know everything I do is is make a conscious effort towards a better, healthier living. And hence, you know, Arma is what we're all about. I mean, shoot, we use, you know, all the best ingredients, organic ingredients, you know, clinical doses, you know, Informed Sports certified. So we really pour everything. And I could say that, you know, Jeremy was adamant when Jeremy, uh, when he got involved with me, he's like, Scott, you know, we've always done cool stuff together, cool brands, but I really want to make sure that this is something that you know can help people perform at the highest level then you got nick way that comes in that's all about all the right ingredients and adamant again about okay we need this 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 and and the same with chad you know chad got involved we were actually over in italy together and you know chad and i go back quite a ways and you know i i wasn't necessarily like you know pushing that, Hey, you got to get involved with this. And, you know, he liked what we were doing. He liked, he's like, Hey, let me try some of the products. And then he got involved and and then it also helped Adam, uh, you know, win his, his, his outdoor championship uh, a few years back and, you know, he got involved. So, you know, again, I'm grateful that I'm involved now in something that is all about health and wellness because it also, uh, continually, Uh, has me investigating, looking into like, you know, all of a sudden I'm eating spinach, kale and arugula, you know, every single day because I watch this whole thing on ingredients and magnesium and, and, you know, with mental health for men, men should consume, you know, those three greens every single day. Because I this gentleman, this doctor, his dad died of you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, blah, blah, blah. And he was, you know, and I watched this entire thing about ingredients and 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 and, and magnesium and, you know, those three. So I'm crazy about spinach, kale, and arugula every single day. Because yeah. I don't want to uh, I don't want to have my cheese sliding off my cracker as they think they said. I just saw that in a recent movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so anyway so yeah so trying to the long game the long game
0: of life yeah no no yeah I I completely agree and it's it's I guess hard to keep it in the front of your mind at all times you know like when you're just dealing with the the day-to-day stuff that kind of like I guess naturally draws your attention to the what's my problem right now kind of vibe you know
1: yeah you know and then what you think are problems or what we think are problems and um you know, I'm mm. fortunate and blessed enough to live in, 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 Carlsbad, you know, uh, on a four season, there's two, four seasons to my left Park Hyatt behind me. So my whole neighborhood is, you know, the AVR golf course, you have La Costa resort and spa. So it's golf, golf, you know, you have the beach, then you have the lagoon and it's like, I should, every day it's like, wow, would you ever, I was on the phone with a great friend of mine, Tim Swart. He's now the marketing director at K2 and we have Great conversations, and you know, yeah, I'll maybe start talking about things that are problems. And he's like, Scott, did you yeah. ever think when you're that kid that lived in Connellsville, Pennsylvania, that by the way, I didn't even have a dirt bike? My neighborhood buddies, their parents were able to buy them a dirt bike, but I would build bicycles and I would, you know, we'd go up in the field and we'd build these little dirt tracks and jumps and da da da. So when they got dirt bikes, I went and mowed a a motocross track in the field or in the up behind our house, the field. And I did sticks with white, white string. And I outlined and made a motocross track and I would take care of this track and make the whole track in this field. And then for that, my buddies would let me take a ride (coughs) on their motocross bike or on their bike. A friend of mine, it was kind of like the Stand By Me movie. Um, I'd say the uh, River Phoenix of the Stand By Me. And I was the little dorky kid um, yeah. I forget what his, his name was. He's the one that taught me. He had a CB450 Honda that he would take up in the field. And he literally jumped off the back of the bike while I was on the front of the gas tank. And Sam was a good fit uh, He football kid. He was like my, he was my big buddy that always stood up for me. And he taught me how to ride a motorcycle because it had a clutch and a shifter. But I remember he jumped off. And when I realized he wasn't on it, I actually wiped out. The grass was kind of wet in the field. But that all then came to all my buddies got bikes and then I would get to take rides on their bikes. Cause I was the guy that built the track and I was the guy that yeah. t- tended the track. And then finally when I saved up enough money and I was able to buy my own, I eventually became better than them really quickly. So that's what was really cool that this motivation of not having something. And then when I got it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to seize this opportunity and then, uh, got pretty good at it quickly. But, uh, yeah, where did I go with? Where did that rant begin? Sorry, that was a that was a rant.
0: <laughs> oh, I guess just like the you know like the different problems that you know. Aren't oh yeah, really so problems. so like, so
1: point being is is living there, which you know even you know not having a bike was probably my biggest problem of the day. Then when I got a bike, my biggest problem yeah, was when I was yeah. at school was okay. When is school going to be over? Class going to be over so I can go home and ride my bike, and you know all of those things. Uh, to, and now, like would I ever have thought that I'd be where I am and the things that I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be a part of and creating and the successes, what I ever thought in my wildest dreams, I literally used to drive. This was one of my jobs. I was other than the denture factory making the dentures in the back. I would literally pull the pour the stuff that looks like your gums around the teeth. That was my job. And then I became a Schwanz uh, frozen food salesman, which is this—I don't know if you ever seen this trucks in the United States. It's a big company; it's two billion dollar plus company out of Marshall, Minnesota. But I was a door to door frozen food salesman. So, would I ever have thought when I was doing that that you'd say, Scott, in twenty years, thirty years? Let's see, that was uh, yeah, thirty years ago, that you'd be living in California. In Carlsbad, which you used to watch on ABC Wide World of Sports, working on your dirt bike at minus 17 below in the garage, and see a helicopter fly over the ocean, over the track, sunny, beautiful, and I would always say, "I man, I just need to get there." And now yeah, I live there. Yeah. Would I ever yeah. have thought that I would be there? No, don't. I mean, do I think that my mom always used to say? Well, if you get halfway to your dreams, you're going to do just fine. All my buddies called me like the dreamer. They wrote on the basketball pole everything that I was going to be a professional at. Football, baseball, basketball, dirt bikes, motocross, all the things, you know, body I was big into weight, but I never got big. I was a skinny little guy. By the way, I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Amazing. Got to watch that one. It's really good. So all these dreams I had, you know, I was a huge dreamer. So do I, do I think that my dreams were dreaming to be there? Yes. But do you know, but realizing those dreams has been a a, a blessing and a reward and I'm grateful for. And, um, yeah, but now looking back to where I am now, I have to remind myself that if I think I have problems, go back to with all of that, that you didn't have is, did you have problems? Were you happy? You know? So it's about finding happiness without all the crap. So,
0: yeah. So what what was the journey then from Pennsylvania to like the first I guess like what your first break was that then led you onto the path that eventually gets you here.
1: So so when I was racing in Pennsylvania became good friends with Jeff Glass. Jeff Glass was I don't know if you remember Jeff Glass, surf detergent guy. So Glassy would you go, he would race the nationals and supercrosses. I mean, Jeff, I mean, shoot, he had his national number, I think as high as number 54. Um, and you know, I ended up kind of, I couldn't, I didn't have the money and, or the, you know, to really back a program to do it at that, to even go race, you know, all over the United States. You know, I did race, you know, nationals and qualified at still city and at Troy and, you know, but, Still didn't have the money or to really do it, put a serious effort into it. So I ended up traveling with Jeff Glass, helping Jeff, kind of, I wouldn't say as a mechanic because I'm not very, I'm not risk sort of mechanical, but I was good at the pit board, good at helping drive the box van, good at being your wingman driving all over the United States. And that uh, took me out to California, but then also put me in with a lot of the guys and growing up with Davy Coombs and Timmy Coombs, you know, helping work at High Point. I used to work during the week before the national you know, to, to, to pay for my entries through for races there. And me and Timmy and Davey became really good friends. And I met a lot of the guys, you know, Ronnie Lachine and I became good friends and I created this brand rip rock, which a lot of those guys ended up uh, endorsing and wearing uh rip rock. There was a sticker then put in a sticker kit with AXO and Jim Hale. And, and so, so I was Developing this brand, although it was, you know, targeting this kind of surf influence lifestyle, you know, I started engaging the moto community and shoot Johnny O'Mara, you know, still great friends with Johnny to this day. You know, he got rip rock down the back of his legs on his pants when he's factory cowie and, you know, Jeff Stanton signing autographs, with rip rock and John Michelle Bale was rip rock. So I caught the attention of the moto uh, community and business and then Jim Hale was, uh offered to buy the company. Well, I couldn't afford to buy a plane ticket to California, so I literally drove to all the way to California to meet with him about buying Riprock. From Pennsylvania to California in my Volkswagen 16 valve Scirocco to meet with him about buying my company. And so he decided that they were going to buy Riprock and then I went back home and then they changed. They said, "Look, instead of buying Riprock, what we want to do is hire you to come out and design like hats and t-shirts and casual wear and shorts at that time this was you know early 90s 90 let's see that was 92 yeah 90 91 92 and it wasn't really you know the casual part of moto wasn't you know there wasn't the fox like where they have all the gear and all the brands that have the full you know after casual wear so i moved to, i came out to california and was there for you know three years uh, two and a half years doing all of the casual wear and and then they decided I, I don't know what the decision was there jim hale uh rest his soul um he actually is the one that uh brought me out you know he passed away a few years back unexpectedly was a really good good great guy um and, and uh so when that Came to an end, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I, you know, took a few months. I actually went and stayed with Bob Moore in Europe in '94. I went to Europe with Bob in '86, was kind of his wingman as well for the GPs. And then I was like, shoot, what am I going to do? Um, and actually, uh, in the meantime, was uh, at Shane Trittler's helping his uh, parents. They had a boat shop. I actually was a boat salesman for a little bit. And then i had a gentleman in georgia that decided he wanted to buy uh, riprock he was a clothing uh a manufacturer the brand was johnny cotton steve winder and uh yeah, yeah. Um, and steve murray in winder georgia and uh said hey i want to buy riprock so i loaded up my 16 valve scirocco with everything i owned other than my bed that was in the uh, girl's place that i had rented a room from and Brian Simo, I uh, did some stuff for no fear uh, on the side, some freelance stuff. We did a Ricky Johnson uh, t-shirt when he was racing trucks. We did a few other t-shirt designs and I created a relationship with Brian. And uh, that actually came through Gotcha, which was a clothing brand. Um, and I befriended all the guys, which they're moto guys. So Marty Motes, uh, Brian Simo. And they, they said, look, before you go to Georgia, drive down here from valencia i was living in valencia and we, we want to meet with you about possibly helping us with some stuff well i was on my way to georgia via carlsbad from valencia yeah went sat had a meeting with them sat out on the picnic table over on faraday where wmg's office is right now it used to be the no yeah, fear yeah. building yeah and yeah. uh sat with uh, brian simo and I uh, said, all right, come back tomorrow. So I stayed at the Motel 6 off of Palomar Airport Road. The exit, yeah. you go to Carlsbad Raceway, where the Grand Prix yeah. used to be. They said, come back tomorrow. I went back the next day, and they they made me an offer that uh, kept my butt in California. And I had to call Steve Steve Murray in Winder, Georgia, and say, hey, the train's stopping here in Carlsbad. Sorry, uh, Rip Rock's not coming to uh, Georgia. And uh, and then that's where, I, that's where I landed is Carlsbad. And then was that No Fear did a lot of stuff there actually put together a, a manufacturer deal. Um, a gentleman I met while I was at AXO, I became a sweatshirt manufacturer partner with a gentleman in Beijing. Um, and then I became partner with him and then we manufactured all the sweatshirts for no fear. And then we started manufacturing for, uh, the gap, Tommy Hilfiger, uh, that the company that he, this gentleman, um, BMR James Wynn, um, And uh, then one of my other partners, Steve Zamores, who's a partner with me now to this day in Arma, um, we had put together uh, not only was I a designer, but then I became a manufacturer partner of all of the uh, sweatshirts at No Fear. And I mean, that company went from zero to $150 million in seven years uh, in sales. And, you know, back in the early 90s, I mean, that was quite significant. So, yeah, yeah. So, with that all, and then I started making some money and, you know, and, and then I put together a whole liquidation of all the overstock of my sweatshirts and all the other uh, vendors and, and started making some serious money. I mean, we went for, I went from making like 50 grand a year to $45,000 a month when I put together this manufacturing deal and then this liquidation. Pro. So then that's when I invested also then in SPY and then the, 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 the no fear thing with my partner's actually, I sold out sold my deal out to the the gentleman James Wynn, invested in spy, and then they needed somebody over at Spy. They were like, "Hey, you're a good salesperson, we need somebody to look after sales." I didn't initially come in there as the sales manager, but when I went in and started lighting it up i it became a sales manager within like I think literally four to six months and then was sales manager, then director of business development. And my role changed here and there, but was involved in everything from A to Z until we exited it and went public in 2003.
0: So, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story. Like you've, you've been involved in some of the most like iconic brands in the sport and iconic deals in the sport. To, To go back to that no fear deal, what is, what does that deal look like to keep you in California? Like how much money or how much, what, what did well, they offer that then changed? I mean, at that time, I mean,
1: yeah, at that time, I mean, I was, I was pretty, uh, I mean, lower level. So, so they went from, you know, no fear went from, you know, selling like the bad boy club type shorts, you know, cause bad boy club life's a beach was Mark and Brian Simo and Beaver Theodosakis who are still my very good friends to this day. Um, when they started no fear it was t-shirts t-shirt graphics you know pretty simple shorts you know drawstring yeah. pull-up shorts but they started they grew quickly and they wanted to really transition into more clothes you know I, want, I don't want to say fashion but you know other than just baggy pull-up drawstring shorts and t-shirts which they were selling you know a million t-shirts a month i mean the thing exploded but they really wanted to get into what i was all about was all that detail you know the 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 you know the denim with cool tack buttons and and logos yeah, and actual and manufacturing actual yeah quality, you know clothing versus just a t-shirt and some shorts and board shorts and trunks it was clothing so you know then i that's where i came in and then especially even with the sweatshirt manufacturer which i even brought him to a whole nother level and you know i was try i was traveling our factory it was in ningbo china um so i was going over there i envel- i elevated his entire Uh, uh, manufacturing because I'm so into the detail and so into the fine detail, which (laughs) I was telling my uh, 21 year old son this, you know, I'm kind of driving him crazy because I'm making him do things and he's in school right now. You know, uh, I mean, super smart kid, you know, math and, you know, just going to SDSU and, you know, but he's home now for the summer and I'm like, all right, we're going to get some stuff done around here and you know, you're going to help do some chores and you know, and I'm driving him crazy, but I could tell you that my dad used to drive me crazy. Cause every Saturday I had to pull oh, everything yeah. out of the garage, everything out of the garage, clean it. I'm like, dad, it's clean. I just pulled everything out, swept it out, hose it out last Saturday. And he would make me do it. And it was like, up, oh, you missed that corner. You missed this. You missed that. You went mowing the lawn. Oh, you went you know, on a curve where it was a 90 degree angle up. Oh, you missed, get the lawnmower out, do it right. So that attention to detail became something that, you know, to this day, you know, I tell my son, I go, my dad used to drive me crazy. I thought he was absolutely crazy, but yeah, you know, yeah. may, every day my bed's made. I My first thing I do every single morning is make your bed and make it as good as it possibly can be, because if you don't do anything else, at least you did something really, really well. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of another thing I live by. But so I applied all that, which I know, you know, like what does any of this have to do with clothes? Well, what it has to do with it is the attention to detail. And I believe that that's also what in building a good brand is that attention to detail. Um, You know, Mark Hall always used to, uh, you know, commend me because um, you know, when the guys are on the podium and you'd give them a monster can, you know, the can doesn't always print to where the pour space is, where the logo is going to show. You have to go through the cases to get the one that's going to pour exactly when the guy's drinking it. To where the logo is visible, where you're not seeing the the ingredient panel on the back of the can. And there was one time we were at uh, Glen Helen. Grant Langston was about to clinch the championship in 2007. Yeah. Rodney Sachs, the CEO of Monsters, there. Mark Hall's there. There's a bunch of people from Monster there. And I and I had uh, Wes at the time was the, my motorhome driver. Um, I had him doing the podium uh, deal well I could see that as he was getting ready to hand Grant the can it was a right-handed can pour versus Grant who was left-handed and I jumped over the fence I ripped through the cases of monster I grabbed the one that's going to be as he's you know being interviewed and pouring it it was the right one and that's where even mark said to me he's like that's what i love about you hollywood and yeah even always making sure it was iced inside the barrel at our whole setup was don't read if mark came by you'd see him reach in there and make sure that those were cold monsters in there not warm ones so those little things that a lot of people don't you know this all sounds like what so trivial no nah, no nah, talking- i get
0: it i get it i get it it's or even super. this
1: uh, Another good one was is my now 86-year-old mother. I think this was 2006. We had the motor home at High Point, the trailer and our whole setup monster, you know, wasn't what it is today, but it was it was still very impressive our whole setup. And um, you know, and at the time, you know, I had these girls from Canada um uh, still great friends of mine. Um the Monster Girls, the beginnings of the Monster Girls and I remember my mother They're there handing out samples to all the people walking by, the fans. And here's my mom at the time, you know, now 86. So that was what, uh, many years ago. You know, she's there, came to the event because it's at High Point. You know, it's like 35 minutes from my house. So they came down to see what their son's a part of. And I'll never forget, my mom was getting up, oh, let me go help those girls and go and handing out drinks to the fans. Uh, I'm I'm like, mom, 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 sit down. Honey, those girls, they need help, mom you know, sit down. Now she didn't realize why I was telling her to sit down, but it's all in the delivery of who's handing you the product, who it's that, you know, the aspirational lifestyle. So do I want some, you know, well, she would have been what, 76 years old at the time or whatever, you know, handing me that drink. Or do I want, you know, Lana or Christina or Val, who are these, you these know, beautiful Canadian girls handing me that beverage versus, you know, so, so, so again, it's that attention to detail, that I really strive to ensure that, you know, it's perfect. And, you know, hence back to the project I'm a part of with the, uh, Arma, you know, it's always about ensuring that, you know, it's perfect. It's the best it can be and always providing that and everything you do.
0: Yeah. And, and they say how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's like, it, it makes sense to, yeah, make your bed do, you know, just do all the things. My thing with that is cleaning my bike. Like my, my dad was like, my dad, barely let us even clean our bikes because we did such a shit job of it that he'd have to come back and do it anyway and uh but nowadays it's like my one thing even if i'm riding it the very next day i'm like you know what i'm cleaning my bike i'm doing it problem there's there's something to taking your time to just do the things properly and man i frustrate the shit out of the boys that work here because i'm like this isn't right this isn't right this isn't right you know that and it's these little little details but it's it is that attention to detail that that makes brands amazing or it makes products amazing or it makes you know workflows amazing and and i think that there's something a bit deeper to it too you know like you the it's like you can only ever achieve the like the height of the process that you follow you know like and it's you could think drawing an analogy just just the human body like if you the processes that you have in place daily is like okay you don't sleep you eat a lot of sugar you uh you do drugs every single weekend you drink every single weekend like there's only like you're setting your ceiling based on the small things that you do every single day and i think that you know it's the same for a brand as it is for a person like there's a ceiling that your brand will have based on all of the small details coming together to be that one thing.
1: I mean, perfect now, you know, saying or others, you know, you only will get out of it what you put into it. So if you yeah. don't put all of those things into it, if you don't apply everything that you believe needs to be done to ensure it succeeds, you're not going to get ultimate success out of it. So it is and especially when it comes to athletic performance. I mean, you know, you can't just show up and not do the work. Now, some people can for a while, you know, for a period of time. I mean, some people are just that talented that, you know, uh, Jason Lawrence, you know, who I worked with for many years, a perfect example of that amazing talent, amazing talent. You know, he, I would say that, you know, I mean, people can debate that, you know, he's one of the most gifted of all times. Um, and, I would actually say that, uh, I believe that he is one of the most gifted of riding a dirt bike, you know, and now it's a matter of, you know, okay, you know, then how long did it last and what did he apply to that? That ultimately maybe changed the course of how long it did last. You know, I, I just think that you get into, you get out of things, what you put into them. We did yeah. put a lot, he did put a lot at times into it and he got a lot out of it. So, um, And, you know, same, same for myself. I mean, we just, you know, great thing that you just said is like, shoot, you know, if you drink every day or you party every weekend, you're this to that, you are ultimately going to, you're not going to get everything you want out of your life and out of life and especially happiness and especially the ability to do the things we love to do, which the things that we all love to do is, you know, is our athletic things, whether shoot up, you know, how many times I've missed an amazing ski day because we party too hard the night before. And it's like you're somewhere in the world or you're, you know, you're, you know, going on a heli trip and you're like, oh man, I don't think I can make it. You're like, really? Come on, man. Like you blew, like that's a bucket list opportunity for most people, but you know, it's what you put into yourself at that moment that you weren't able to get out of that opportunity that you ultimately wanted to. So, and again, every day is a reminder to myself of, okay, do I want to take full advantage of that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah what's going to determine that is, is what decision you make prior to wanting to fully capitalize on that opportunity.
0: Yeah, Because no, if you make the,
1: a different choice in the beginning is going to give you a different result in the end.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. So, so with Spy, uh, so you were an investor in that, that company and then you were a part of like taking it public. Does that company then give you the freedom like you kind of didn't have financial troubles or not troubles but like you could financially do whatever you wanted after that point or like what did that deal look like for you
1: unfortunately unfortunately no that didn't i'd say you know it you know when you go public i mean it 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 i'd say that it was all teed up for a lot of us to do really 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 well and um it didn't in the end you know especially if you hung on to your stock too long um, you know, a lot of people say to me, even to this day, oh, you know, you told me to buy the monster stock, but I sold it too soon. So, you know, yeah. a lot of it has to do with timing. And, you know, I wasn't, it's not like I was a huge, I would say for myself more, it was what I did day to day being a part of building spy. I mean, I was. You know, literally packed a suitcase full of snow goggles, went on the road, traveled all over uh, in my rental car and going to all the different ski resorts and launching our snow goggle program and being a part of, you know, the development with the moto goggle. And, you know, I raced 80 out of 96 nationals on amateur day uh, while I was the sales manager. And business development at Spy because I would go travel with the sales reps, meet with accounts during the week. We'd invite them out to the race on the weekend. And FMF actually used my bike as a display bike. Um, well, I was fortunate. FNS Suzuki uh, they gave me four bikes a year, and I mean, so what I was able to do while I was a big part of building Spy. Um, was more beneficial. Now, yes, I, I did make good money while I was there. I mean, every time though, I'd hit a ceiling of maybe you know making uh, close to three hundred plus thousand dollars a year. You know management would change my deal look in the end i don't i'm not like oh yeah I'm, you know they, they were screwing me they weren't it just hey look you know it just they would change the deal so that's when i decided that when we went public and you know they were changing some more stuff with my with my situation i was like all right this is time for me to exit which i had also done jeremy mcgrath's bud light deal prior to that uh. um, where i put together you know i jeremy and larry brooks came to me and said, hey. You know we're losing you know mazda as our title sponsor and scott you can sell anything can you do you think you could help us get a title sponsor and you know i i i made a serious run at that with you know designing we did a deck i did a hundred different decks i actually brought some of the stuff i brought letters rolex uh mcdonald's pepsi coke uh, miller like i mean we sent out a hundred decks fedexed every one of them was designed um for the brand it wasn't like yeah, your logo yeah, here yeah. it was actually yeah. the the graphic was you know the bike was coke or cheerios or snickers and the gear and the helmet and the semi and i fedexed every single one of them and i spent about 20 grand pursuing a title sponsor for jeremy but the reward was is you know getting a three three year bud bud light deal which they could probably use our help right now um bring back some yeah, yeah, mojo <laughs> yeah but light but uh but that then open my eyes to, okay, yeah. you know, I can pursue something that, you know, the sky's the limit. I can, I can, there, you know, I just, I like the idea of that there's no limit to what I yeah, can achieve yeah, yeah, successfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 100%. why I was like, that's when I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta. Figure something out, and that's when I created Crown AMG. Actually, in two thousand three, actually while I was still at Spy, and the initial deal was, is I was going to take all the Moto business out of the internal company, and I was going to it's going to be part of Crown AMG because we were, you know, very aggressive with the Moto category, and there's a lot of other people that had joined the company that were more from the surf culture and the in the snow culture, and they just didn't really. See it as a as a value, which is kind of crazy because I then went on to use that as the you know the 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 uh, pinnacle of building monster launching monster was you know Moto, and um, so that actually then ended up kind of changing didn't come to fruition when I left and actually No Fear and Spy were my partners in the beginning of of Crown AMG, and when I was pursuing the deal with uh, Monster, they were pursuing a deal with Pepsi and it became an issue that they were like well you know you can't be selling i'm like wait a minute if i'm gonna be an athlete agent i can't be married to one yeah, drink 100%. Deal. yeah. so i actually had buy, bought them out of of their percentage of, of crown amg crown athlete management group the name was i like crowns and i actually had the s55 uh, mercedes at the time a, the amg yeah. so i yeah. just like how can i tie crowns i like crowns i like king i like all that look and So uh, Crown AMG was Crown Athlete Management Group, but it was really because I like crowns and I had the S550 Mercedes that I tied into creating the name of the brand. So um, but yeah, so that's kind of where, you know, I saw and then my stock, you know, I had my money that I invested, you know, I had a bit of a decent return on that, but nothing like, okay, life's good. I'm done. But it was where all of my options was were really was the big was the big asset and eventually those those uh i i rode them out too long to where they actually went upside down so so that big exit of you know seven plus figures ended up being uh, zero so so it's yeah. all about the timing of it of when you decide to uh know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And unfortunately yeah. I remember one, one time, uh, this gentleman, John Lee, uh, he worked with me at spy and then I brought him over to work with me at uh, monster. And I'll never forget. There was a moment where it was still, it was still six figure values of, uh, and I'm going, you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm going to liquidate, but I was making, I was doing really well in, in with crown AMG, and with athletes and, 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 and my monster contracts with crown. Cause we were, we had multiple contracts with monster. Um, I didn't really need to sell it, but I was just, okay, I'm going to cash out because it's still, you know, it's in the six figures. And then John's, John was like, yeah, but you're not going to get to say that you, uh, still own a part of spy. Well, I should have let that ego go because, uh, it ended up becoming worth zero. So but yeah, I mean, the yeah. company now it's actually, uh, owned by Serengeti, um, Bole group. They bought uh, spy just a few years back. Um, but unfortunately the, uh, yeah, but it was, it was an amazing, amazing learning experience. I got to do so many amazing things. Like I said, you know, skied all over the, all over the, the world at the time, you know, launched the snow goggle. I was, I was, you know, behind the driving of that. So got to, you know, go all over to every major ski resort in, in the country and ski with the ski directors and shop owners. And then, you know, raced 80 out of 96 nationals over eight year period on amateur day. I mean, you know, fly on the plane, fly, jet, f- bike, badass, all, you know, suspension truck, you know, <laughs> it's like, what, aren't you supposed to be racing tomorrow? Cause the setup was sick. My bike was sick and everything was amazing. So, but, uh, It was a lot of fun and uh, was extremely grateful to everybody, especially, you know, Donnie Emler, little D, um, Joel, who's uh, still there over FMF. He used to most of the time be up there sweeping my gate or packing my gate from FMF to get me ready for the. Yeah, I raced three classes one year at uh, Millville going through those whoops for six motos. My legs were still hurting the next weekend in at Binghamton. So,
0: oh, dude, I bet. So, so what what was the what was the Bud Light deal would have been worth roughly back then? Because I think, like, I mean that that to me is probably one of like the landmark deals in Moto. You know, like big outside, you know, Fortune five hundred company, huge outside industry, non endemic, like with the greatest Supercross racer of all times. Like, I think if you had to, if you had to say, what's the one deal? in in motocross or supercross that got made that's like the the standard i'd say it would have to be that deal
1: well that deal definitely was um i mean several million dollar deal which you know was uh, back then oh yeah several millions and you know three-year deal and it was uh Unfortunately, it was cut short because Jeremy ended up getting hurt on the KTM. And so the story goes on that one. Uh, You know, we swung the bat a lot, used a lot of work, uh, probably almost a year worth of effort to land that deal. And so we then landed it. Jeremy, myself, my attorney, all flew to St. Louis, you know, full suit and tie. I think I wore my Zania suit at the time. Had to make sure we rolled in there looking good. Rolex well, watch. <laughs> uh, I was Rolex at the time. I had a presidential gold president. So I wore that, you know, brought my yep. attorney, you know, Jeremy. I'll never forget. It was ironing my shirt in the room the morning before we're going to Anheuser-Busch to the sports marketing, you know, department at Budweiser. I mean, pretty freaking big deal. Pretty pretty awesome you're feeling pretty good about what we were going there to meet on and so two things on that whole story so one is is the deck was properly done with the name Budweiser Anheuser-Busch spelled right but my wife was the one that actually FedExed the envelope that it went in and she had spelled Bush wrong So I had a girl then that would follow up on the FedEx because as someone behind a desk at a company like Spy, if I got a FedEx, I would always open it. Like what? What is this? You know. So you didn't just send it regular mail. I FedExed every deck, hundred different brands, and uh, Jenna, the girl who uh, who did all of the coordinating of everything, rest her soul. She's no longer with us as well. um, She called me. She's like Scott. Tim Schuler uh, from Anheuser-Busch is, is, is going to be giving you a call. They want to talk to you. So he calls me and he says, first off, I want to tell you one of the best decks I've ever seen, but whoever sent it, you need to make spell Sure. They spell Bush, right? Cause my uh-huh. wife had spelled Bush wrong. And it was just, so that was funny. And so then we go, we land the deal and whatever. So we land the deal, everything's moving along. Well, uh, so, we do the first year, which the first year I'm sitting up and Jeremy that year had trained like crazy, cycled, you know, like uh, for hundreds of miles a week, was training like he was going to, you know, race the Tour de France. We ended up doing Anaheim 1 and Jeremy got 13th at the first race. He's never never like that was and I'm sitting up there with Tim Schuller and Tony Sizemore, the director of sports oh. marketing. And I'm sitting there with them and we're watching it and I'm just like, okay. And they're looking at me like, okay, is this, you know, this so things it. didn't go, things didn't go as planned for the first race. Fortunately, you know, Jeremy started changing what he was doing, but I mean, he literally was, I mean, the guy, Jeremy was so lean and fit and cycling, cycling, and just wasn't, you know doing what had helped him win all those all those championships and races so kind of changed that but then going into the next year it's uh you know he changed brands he was riding ktm he got hurt over i think it was a race in switzerland or italy um a a warm-up race and you know then was having questions about the decision he made to ride a ktm and it's literally two weeks before christmas and i get a call from jeremy and he's like hey uh you know, I'm 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 done. I'm I'm like I'm like what 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 do you you're done? And I was thinking like somebody at Spy didn't do his goggles right, or he was having some issues with the lenses or something. And I'm like, what's what happened? And he's like, no no, I'm, I'm I'm retiring. I'm like, oh wow, end of the year? No, today. I was like, what? So then I'm like, okay, are you sure? And at that time, they would send us a portion of a check which was about five hundred thousand dollars uh to start the season and then we would get others throughout and um so i was like what you know and you know my commission was rather large and uh you know we're yeah. going into christmas so i call my wife and it's two weeks for christmas i'm like, what are you doing she's like i'm shopping you know what you, it's christmas
0: yeah, i'm like well you might want to i'm like
1: you might want to slow down because uh you know jeremy's retiring she's like well good for him And I'm like, well, but do you understand that we're not going to get that? shit? Well, it's money we didn't have anyway. So I was like, you know, so you had that side of, you know, the, the, the thinker of, you know, not counting your chickens before they're hatched. But anyway, this story that was, uh, that was a kind of a interesting part of it, but you know, Hey, unfortunately, you know, Jeremy decided that, you know, that wasn't, you know, the, the bike wasn't right. And, you know, we did kind of a amended year that year, which was kind of a farewell autograph tour. Um so that I mean I'd say that look you know I respect Jeremy's decisions and you got to do what you think is the right thing to do and if, especially if you don't feel safe and and, and and you know fortunately KTM has come a long way since back then but uh, you know he made a decision what was right for him unfortunately it wasn't one that uh, was the best for, for me financially of you know it was a lot of hard work put into it but you know love Jeremy like a brother and it was a good decision he made for himself and hey things have continued on and but you know that was a little bit of a uh, you know but Budweiser um, you know they so they they did the amended tour the next year and which by the way I mean everything that year too looked amazing I mean they had a big blow up on the roof Bud Bud Light and they had all these ta- you know stools and tables and TV everything it was just amazing presentation and uh, you know it was just unfortunate for the sport that uh, you know it didn't it didn't wasn't able to go through to the end but we actually did re-engage them uh, a few years later. Uh, I was working with Kevin Windham a bit and we did go and meet with Tony Tony Sizemore and Tim Shuler and we did re-engage them about bringing Budweiser especially with Kevin being a good old boy from Mississippi and you know the red Honda and Budweiser and we went we went out with them we met they loved this they loved the sport they loved motocross supercross I mean even Tim Sizemore who was the gentleman that uh also oversaw all their NASCAR uh uh property and personalities, even when he went to Anaheim one and saw all the, you know, good looking, uh, young, hip, cool people. He was like, uh, Hey, can I, you know, attend all of these? I like this. This definitely seems like a, a, a good, good place to, to c- come and work every weekend, um, for these events. So, but unfortunately we didn't uh, put anything together with Budweiser to, 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 to come back in with Kevin. Kevin would have been a great personality for Budweiser. It would have been amazing, but, uh, Yeah, that was a that was a big project, um, big uh big effort. And uh yeah, it was was a lot of fun. It was and it was a great learning experience. I mean, honestly, it would have been
0: huge, yeah.
1: Well, and it taught me though too, it was huge for me because then it gave me the confidence to, you know, then to uh I did that deal. That was, you know, I didn't leave spy until 2003 create crown AMG, but yet that gave me the confidence in 2000 then you know 2000 for 2001 that hey i i can do this i can sell this you know and i sold it i sold to those outside sponsors you know the influential youth demographic then the nascar influential youth demographic i mean nascar at that time i mean you know i think they've they've done over the years have definitely made it hipper and cooler but yet at that time it wasn't I mean, yeah, you had Dale Jr. who's cool, super cool. But I didn't perceive it as this hip, influential, cool uh, sport that influenced brands and created brands. And and, and and so that's what I sold it as. And I was you know, fortunate to land um, Bud Light.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's something definitely to that. I mean, I talk about it a, a bunch on here. I, I'm definitely super into that, that side of it. I mean, I think a big part of my career, like, I mean, I think you were on like the marketing agency, you know, like the, the decks that you were building for Bud Light or whatever. I mean, you would uh, like, we're still doing that now. Like what you were doing 20 plus years ago is still kind of like the standard. But I mean, for me, like I was a, a young kid with a, a video camera telling people, in like 2006 and 2007 that videos on the internet is going to be the thing, you know, like that was my cell forever. And I've, I've had to pitch to brands and pitch to race teams and pitch to riders. Like, trust me, you're going to want you're going to want videos of you on the internet. And, you know, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's so true. What you said about we're such a young cool influential sport that a lot of brands they would struggle to connect to this audience in those other sports like nascar i mean even you know like i think moto gp is like probably at its coolest right now um obviously you know you had like the valentino and the casey era but i wouldn't say like that's like crazy sport and crazy action and drama but i, I wouldn't say there's like cool personalities in it you know but moto for whatever reason me and my brother talk about it all the time he's a sports like he he has his own alpine group um and it's you know essentially like a a um a crown amg but we talk about it all the time that it's like there's something about motocross like and i think it's you know we're dirty like we're we're not scared to get dirty with we, we you know you, you can't wear white shoes when you walk the track like there's a there's a element of you know real danger and like just gritty gnarliness to it that a lot of the other sports like kind of can't replicate, you know. And I think that that does really lend itself to the way that, you know, you can you can kind of market within the sport. I don't know if any of that resonates with you. It resonates
1: 100%. I mean, even watching uh, you know, Colorado this weekend, I mean the was it the first moto? Yeah, the first moto with the domino effect of everybody. I don't know if you watched the race, but I mean Yeah, yeah. I mean like I don't know, out of the 40 guys, 15 of them were maybe on the ground. And you're just like, wow, you want to talk about like, people don't understand even when talking about motocross, you know, there's a study that, you know, USC did many years ago, which is my daughter graduated USC a few years ago. Summa cum laude. Shout out to Anna. Love you. Yeah. She's a great, great kid. But they did a study on athletes and, you know, mo- they said motocross was number one motocross and soccer were the number one one, two physically most de- demanding sports. And, you know, I say to people, I go, yeah, but the difference even in with soccer is, is like when you get fatigued and you're, yeah, maybe you lose the, the strength in your leg and you miss that goal because you were tired. Well, moto, you come up short and you end up with, you know, I have a plate and 10 screws in my right ankle. Cause I came up short on a triple. at Steel city. It's like the, the consequence consequences of yeah. error, error and fatigue are far greater than, I mean, any other sport. I mean that you'll, I mean Moto GP is yeah the 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 consequence of air can be hugely ca- catastrophic there as well but you know moto you know just the slamming banging you know cleaning guys out and you know fatigue and dirt and grit and I mean going into the first corner I don't care what level of racing you're doing I don't care if it's the beginner class or the vet class going into a corner with 40 dudes the first corner there's nothing like it that anyone can ever relate to. There's no other sport that I could say is uh, a, a, what's a, a correlation or uh, you know emulates that feeling. And, I mean, name one that's similar. Now, I mean, riding a bull's gnarly, but dude, going into the first corner with thirty nine dudes, and then the greatest feeling, and I'll never forget. This was at the RM Cup in uh, Troy, Ohio, and getting actually I. I led the 125 intermediate class there, even though I was older and I was at SPY. This was, uh, it was Millsaps, Kyle Partridge, and Josh Lichtel. And I was leading the yeah, intermediate yeah. For, for laps. And then my bike got stuck in second gear. I Ben's shifter and I couldn't get out of second. But getting the whole shot with 39 dudes behind you and going down the long straightaway, there's a long straightaway at Troy, Ohio, there's no better feeling knowing there's 39 dudes behind you. And you're out front, and uh, there's nothing that can give you that feeling, and you know, I mean, uh, that I've ever done. So maybe flying a fighter jet. I have a friend of mine that uh, became a captain in the uh, in, in the Navy and a fighter jet pilot, and we grew up racing dirt bikes. And he said that definitely has it's the pretty same cool feeling. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, but yeah, I think that it's pretty special motocross, supercross, and that's you know that passion is what and selling it for myself, you know, selling that sport, it always helps when you're passionate and you truly are authentic really helps uh, come across. And I believe helped me get it across the line many times with selling something in this sport. And, or then even, you know, with what we did with monster, you know, always having that passion about even internally me pitching, um, you know, even at the time, I mean, remember, you know, Rodney Sachs, who's the CEO of monster, you know, uh, very smart people. Um, and, uh, you know, it took me a bit to get them to title sponsor supercross over the finish line, but it was, you know, what I believe was going to help create more sales around those events that, you know, I then presented to them that it wasn't just about sponsoring something because as a, as a salesperson, you know, I always try to apply the thought process of, okay, if I do this, is it going to help me sell more product? And most, you know, it's hard to marketing typically in this day and age, it's a lot different because you can actually, you know, especially in the digital world, you can get get analytics and you can get, you know, your ROI, your return on investment. You can actually, you quantify, okay, we spent this and we sold that. Well, in a lot of marketing in the past days, you don't really know like, okay, because we did that, did it really help us sell more? But, you know, fortunately, everything that we did do there before all of these things were measurable, um, it all did equate to successes and continued to uh, continued to uh, ultimately get, you know, approvals on doing a lot of different things that, you know, were uphill sales and battles, not battles, but, you know, you had to really have a good pitch and a reason why you think it's yeah, going to generate yeah. more sales. And, um, but ultimately, I think it was that passion and believing what, not only just, you know, supercross, motocross, you know, X games, action sports, you know, I mean, shoot, it just, it was a a, a big, um, I would say a lot of it had to do with timing of the times. Another great documentary to watch is, um, American gladiator. Um, I don't know if you remember that show, but I just watched that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was interesting watching that because when you watch part two of American gladiator, um they talk about they tried to bring it back in 2008 and times had changed and i don't yeah, know if you re- was different yeah i don't know if you remember what american gladiator was but it was these you know regular people i could remember
0: when i was a kid enter yeah, yeah.
1: and then they would they would go in you know they would battle these you know these 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 dudes athletes girls and guys but you know up yeah, on they had super poles.
0: jack chicks too that's what i remember
1: super crazy like things that they had to do fight these guys with these big punji sticks or whatever they call it yeah, and roll yeah, these yeah, steel yeah. balls. Bo- well, when they tried to bring it back in 2008, which that originated with, uh, uh, iron workers in Erie, uh, Pennsylvania that they used to have picnics and they would do these crazy like tug of wars and battles. But it, when they try to revive it, 2008, they literally show in the documentary how times had changed and it didn't connect because people were on to x games and uh snowboarding and surfing and motocross and so it's 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 really interesting and and i I would suggest that it was on hbo i believe is where i watched it american gladiator but as a brand person it's interesting to watch these types of things and understand you know the time 100%. timing has a lot to do with uh, successes and i actually just had this 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 conversation recently about even the success with monster and i do believe that you know timing played a key role in all of that because you know x games you know think about the original the beginning of x games when they were riding s- snow shovels down a mountain and they were riding street luge biker sherlock and things yeah, that really dude. didn't that didn't really like, eh, well, what is this? This is kind of like a, you know, weird mix of sport and, but it's not a real sport, you know, or I don't want to say, but it just it's was like a mix you know,
0: between a circus and a sport.
1: Exactly. And where it really started to connect is when they really started having real sports that people do skateboarding, snowboarding, you know, motocross, well, you know, freestyle motocross, which was just you know blowing up at the time. And so the timing of all of it, I think did play a, a huge part of, aligning at the right time it wasn't like a plant it just it just was yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: everything lined up properly so
0: so i just want to go back I, i want to get into the monster stuff but i want to go back a little bit because i feel like there's a shift to where like the bud light Budweiser, miller light like we we could have gone down that road to where we were the beer and the alcohol kind of sponsorship but it pivoted and it ended up being energy drinks. Have you ever thought about the sport and how different it would be if we didn't go into the energy drink era and the Bud Light continued? Let's say Jeremy doesn't retire. Bud Light has huge success in the sport and it draws in other companies and then we go in that direction. Like, Have you ever thought about if it went down that lane and maybe why it didn't? Well, it definitely would have been hard with
1: the with the alcohol sponsors because even when we did do the bud light deal you know jeremy was plus 25 at the time you know was past the 25 age mark which they were adamant about that even ryan morris was going was on Uh, going to be on the team that year and he was 25 below and okay. wasn't going to be able to be on the team you know Jeremy was going to put him on the 125 out of his truck with yamaha so the age issue was definitely would you know it would never i don't want to say never but it would have been difficult to replicate what we've done with the energy drinks because there was so much uh you know just that they had to be aware of with age and even even when Jeremy was doing merchandise with Bud Light on it. I mean, there were certain items that he couldn't put Bud Light on, like the little Hot Wheels yeah. character, because yeah. of the age of who it's appealing to. So I do think that that, you know, was going to be difficult to, I mean, I did, and I did talk to Miller Light at the time, you know, um, Don Perdome, Don the Snake Perdome, who, uh, good friends with and to this day good guy you know don was a miller uh sponsored program and we did meet with them and talk to miller so there was interest from more and miller was a big part of supercross back in the 80s i mean shoot Ronnie machine was up there that's where he says he has his first taste of alcohol was drinking from the miller bottle at uh, miller supercross miller high life so you know But do I think that the success of Bud Light may have then, you know, and I have all the envelopes in my bag and I have the deck in my bag. Show you these letters from Rolex, Home Depot, Taco Bell, Burger King, McDonald's. I mean, and they all responded. And Jeremy at that time, I mean, Jeremy was just, you know, I mean, come on, he's on. Jeremy was, everybody knows the name Jeremy McGrath, you know, back then. So he really he really was, you know, taking it to a whole nother level and taking it outside of our little action sport world. Um, you know, extreme sport, they called it probably back then we changed it to action sports eventually. But, you know, who knows where that would have gone and, um, you know, what that could have, uh, especially as successes came. Now, the one thing I will say though, is, is that, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know, I did do, uh, brought Rockstar uh, to the sport as well. Um, oh, okay. that, yeah, so that was probably maybe one of the, uh, kind of steps towards, uh, the end and a demise to my relationship at monster that, you know, which I'm, I don't know what, what that was, but you know, my at crown AMG, you know, as I said to you early uh, in this was when it's I, very started, hard
0: to have one deal. Right. So when I did that with, you know,
1: when I did no fear, you know, I had to buy them out because they're like, oh, you know, we, you can't. So when I did the, the, when I was, I had contracts with monster but they, I was not, it was with Crown AMG and my, my contracts did read that, you know, I had to have the ability to work with other energy drinks because I worked with athletes. So at that time, um, you know, and I actually, in 2003 started pursuing them for who, do you know who the first monster energy super Christ rider is, by the way?
0: Oh, I want to, want to say, I want to say Carmichael. I'm probably wrong. Tyler Evans. Dude, so Rob Crunch.
1: Yeah, so Tyler was, Was he 2000- Hanson's? No, he was, he was monster. He was monster energy. And when, when I was still at Spy, Tyler came in to me and I knew Tyler because he was a spy guy through the Husqvarna program, uh, the F- Fast by Ferracci uh, Husqvarna team were spy, and you know I and I was at spy at all the races because I was doing all the stuff yeah. you know, traveling and racing on Amsterdam Day. So Tyler, uh you know we we were buds, and uh he knew that you know I I put together Jeremy's Bud Light deal. So he came in and was like, Scott, can you you know can you help me like I can you help me I I, I know I can do this. I just need support. I need sponsors. I need. And then I put him together with a friend of mine who was, uh, in special forces. He was, uh, um, Marcus, Heon, he, trainer, uh, guy, gnarly dude. And I said, well, Marcus, I'll tell you what I know, you know, yeah, we have a lot of similarities. We'd like to go out and have a good time, get a little wild and crazy, but I, you know, I got to make sure that this is something you're serious about. So I said, you go train with Marcus. And when Marcus tells me you're, you're serious about this, I'll help you. And he started training with Marcus. He would drive down all the way from, uh, lived up at Canyon Lake. You drive all the way to Carlsbad where Marcus trains athletes and people. And uh, every day, train go down there and train. And Marcus was like, hey, this kid's serious. So then I uh, put together a deal with him, which he was him and Tucker Hibbert, who was the snow cross athlete and moto guy, yeah. were the yeah. first people I started working with with Crown AMG. And, uh, and, and Tyler, when we were exiting that Hanson's Energy deal, Um, and they started, then monster was beginning. I pitched to do a deal with, uh, Tyler with monster. And he was the first guy wearing a helmet, which at that time it was just, you know, chin bar. No one was putting the logo fully up on the, on the crown of the head. Um, Uh. which eventually I did start doing, um, actually first with rockstar with Jason, Jason Lawrence. Um, so, but I started pursuing rockstar in 2003, even before I had to deal with Monster, which I stayed after them, uh, Mike Kelso. Um, Kelso, yeah, 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 guy. Hey, yep.
0: Kel- Kelso is the reason I very first went to America. I actually owe a lot of my success or whatever you'd call it to Kelso. He literally booked me, he booked me uh, a ticket for the Parlor National in 2010 to do some filming there. And his assistant, that was working for him at the time, fucked up. And instead of booking my tickets for two weeks, she booked it for two months. So my first ever trip to America, I literally got there. I had no money and I was there for, I had like two weeks worth of money basically. Like the plan was to go to America, do my two weeks, try and meet some people, like get some filming in. And then I'd go home with literally no money in my account. And I ended up living completely broke in America for two months, waiting to get on that plane. That's a crazy story. So yeah, shout out Kelso. I, I miss that dude. He's a legend.
1: Kelso, yeah. So he actually has his uh, his 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 weird. I don't know if he drink weird. I don't know if you've heard of his yeah yeah, brand. yeah 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 yeah. So so he's got that going. But he was the guy that I I I stayed after. And then I finally convinced them that IndyCar at that time was really dead. Um, they definitely have brought the, you know, because they had the whole you know fight with IRL and Indy League. So it was kind of split and convinced them that, you know, hey, this was a, definitely a, a youth audience. And um, so I then convinced them in 2005 to, uh, to, to get involved in motocross. And I put together a deal. At that time, I actually was going after uh, Wyndham, um And, you know, he was with Factory Connection. But then at the last minute, No Fear stepped up their offer and trumped that deal. So I had this these guys in. They were coming in for three years. But I'd lost the, you know, Factory Connection, which was Samsung and, and at the time. And so I was scrambling. And I actually uh, – Suzuki – and they liked and then they when I presented them, hey, we're that program's unavailable, they liked this kid, Jason Lawrence. They liked his you know, he looked like a rock star because he had his long hair and his care out of his helmet around his goggles and just they liked they're like, Okay, we like that. He looks like a rock star. He looks like fit, yeah. but Jason raced at five, came in, you know, had some good uh, races, but literally was racing out of the back of my trailer behind the monster motorhome. I mean, he was just a privateer, uh, out of the back of the trailer and, um, you know, Suzuki supported him with bikes and some stuff, but I mean, it wasn't some factory effort and, you know, his first, first national, I mean, he got uh, fifth in moto one at Southwick. Um, <clears throat> and then was riding good throughout that year out of a, you know, just a kind of a, privateer program out of the trailer but he also was a monster kid um he was one of the first monster athletes as an amateur at Loretta Lynn's. I started working with him in 2004 and um I mean Jason went from you know 1500 bucks a year to very 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 good deal at the end of his uh, monster deal when he won the championship and then AMPM money that came along with that but <clears throat> but the the Rockstar deal because. They liked him. And then I put a deal together with, you know, Cole Gress said, all right, well, you have that sponsor. We'll put it with one of our satellite teams. And then I was, uh, I wasn't necessarily on board. I mean, Bill's pipes, Bill, good guy, son, Jeff, great people, but I, they didn't have a team at the time. And I was like, are you sure? And they, Cole's like, you know, you don't worry about you, you just get the sponsors and we'll take care of the team. And, uh, you know unfortunately it wasn't the best uh, effort um especially with suzuki they had a bad equipment with it being that leftover uh yeah it was the Kawasaki. With yeah, yeah, exactly and it was like the 05 model or something anyway just yeah, yeah it was definitely you know jason had two podiums that year one uh it, yeah san francisco supercross and then well they had two san francisco jason and then brownie got a podium somewhere and That's it right. was brownie just was on that team yeah so it was brownie hamlin uh ryan mills and jason lawrence and yeah. i actually had uh then i was i was representing hamlin and then you know brownie i put together you know the whole roster i mean brownie um you know which. Mike Brown, amazing person. Good. You know, to this day, still great relationship and friendship with him. And, you know, he uses the armor products, which, uh, yeah, made it, but that was an interesting, you know, deal. And then unfortunately, you know, it was a, it was a three year deal, but it was, uh, one year with options each year. So they, they, so they, then it was three years, but then they Suzuki Cole, had moved it from Bills, which, I mean, it just wasn't, unfortunately it wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that they needed that wasn't necessarily working out with the team and the finances behind all of it. So they then ended up taking it to uh, WBR, Williams Brothers Racing, I believe it was. And that unfortunately ended up becoming a big deal because I brought the deal to, uh, to them, Suzuki. And, um, it wasn't, uh, they then didn't want to pay me when they took it to WPR, the commission. Well, I brought rockstar to Suzuki, not to Bill's pipes. And yeah. that unfortunately ended up becoming a uh, legal battle with Suzuki. Um, that was very unfortunate, especially when I busted my ass for three years to bring an outside sponsor, you know, with the, which at that time, you know, you didn't have rockstar. Wasn't there yet. I mean, I'm sorry. Monster wasn't really there yet. Yeah. They were They were. You know, they were, Monster just started in 2002, so it nobody was really completely all in yet, and yeah, yeah. you know, and not so then supporting
0: I, the industry. Like nowadays, it like almost supports the industry in a yeah, sense.
1: Which, I mean, hugely, hugely supports the industry, and you know, it was, it was. I mean, I guess the the biggest discouragement is. um that when you work really hard and you put a lot into it doesn't it's not like you just make a phone call. I mean, you gotta be relentless. Oh, you gotta yeah. stay on top of it. And then when you have a warm when you have some a, a warm lead, when you have the the Glengarry leads, um, I don't know if you know that movie Glengarry, glen Ross, but when you get the good leads and you have a warm one, you have to stay on it and you and you nurture yeah. it and you stay on it and you stay with it and you and when you finally close the deal and then when the that gets moved away from you or the you know and you don't get the full reward you know it's definitely frustrating and unfortunately that one uh i had a i had to do something and take legal action and did get uh did get um did get a decent reward from that action but not the long term that i mean it, it 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 would have been i mean shoot yeah i was with with suzuki for about 10 years you know and and when you do a contract like that i mean it's you know it's renewals extensions all of that so you know you would be along for the ride on that entire contract so um but you know hey end of the day all i can do is tell myself that don't don't you know live your motto, do unto others as you'd have them do to you and make sure that you don't move the finish line or, or, or the carrots, you know, out in front of somebody, you know, further away every time they get close to getting it. So I try to remind myself of those things is when you're engaging with others that, you know, I know my, one of my attorney friends said to me Is they call it, uh, you know, the, the amnesia, you know, when someone comes to them with a, you know, the injuries, like, and then it's like, wait a minute. So they're giving you 30 or 40%. Why am I paying you this? But before they had anything, they're like, whatever, whatever, I'll give you yeah, 50% yeah. of it, whatever, just give me something. So yeah, yeah. Just a constant reminder that, you know, when that, when I'm in that situation or I have that on the reverse side, I want to make sure that I don't, uh, I'm I'm not uh, being a hypocrite saying that. I'm not going to move the line from someone. So,
0: yeah. So did you anticipate that the energy drinks would support the industry in the way that it, it sort of has like, it it is quite crazy when you think about it nowadays. Well, I mean, when you look at the age demographic and you
1: look at what an energy drink represents. I mean, it does all line up and make sense. I mean, and you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's energy for you, for your body. It's, you know, and energy driven sports and, and, and so, you up at I night mean, to party. Yeah. All of it makes a lot of sense. I mean, all of those things, you know, to me, I mean, they aligned, I mean, you know, the event and then the after party and then the the next day, what you need to pick me up and you need, you know, so it, it, I mean, it makes it to me, I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, even just timing. It's a good fit, you know, it's a good fit for what an energy drink represents and all of what we're a part of represents energy, things filled with energy, things you need energy for. Um, I know even when we were, when I was spending a lot of time in Europe, I mean, even myself and, I'd ski with, uh, Rodney Sachs, who's the CEO of monster. And even Mark Hall, myself, you know, who was at the time was the president of monster. Um, you know, we'd go ski, we go. And I would always say like, man, the mountains, you know, we need to really engage the mountain culture and the apres ski. And the, you know, we went skiing, um, over in uh, uh let's see, this was in Zermatt, Zermatt, Switzerland. I remember skiing down myself and Rodney and, 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 and we stopped at the end of the day and the apres ski and everybody's, you know, drinking energy drinks. And, you know, I'm like, this is what we really need to engage this, this, this is that, you know, lifestyle in a can, vibe, yeah it, yeah it's you know it represents what you're going to drink in that can and you know ultimately i mean they did and they've 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 continued to do so and continue to engage uh, you know things that are filled with energy uh you know lifestyle things that are filled with energy so i think it does make sense you know and that's one of the things that even with what we're doing at arma you know i like to say you know what we did with with what I was a part of in helping build Monster was creating this lifestyle in a can but then also you know creating things you know an arma t-shirt or a monster t-shirt or a monster hat or an arma hat you know it was then creating a lifestyle that then represents who you are when you see somebody to to when I representing arma you know hat a t-shirt sweatshirt whatever it may be you'd like to believe that it's not just something they're putting on their clothing, but they're also ensuring that yeah. they're putting their body, they're trying to get the most out of their ability to do what they love to do at the highest level. So there's a there's a, you know, correlation between what I'm saying by what I'm wearing, but also by what I'm doing. And that's where I think also in, and with monster. And even at the time, you know, rockstar, I was a part of, you know, putting those deals together where they then started making apparel with one industry. And I was the part, you know, I put that all together with monster and with rockstar and, you know, that was a big billboard for people that did those things that lived that energetic energy, energy lifestyle that then represented that, Hey, I live a, life full of energy but i also consume a lot of energy so there's a good uh, marriage of those two um to then tell that story of their brand and you know that's one of the things that in the supplement space that i don't believe really exists that there's a monster red bull you know, rock stars yeah, falling yeah. off, in my opinion, really have fallen off of, uh, you know, uh, of what they used to be when before those guys were fortunate enough that uh, Russ Weiner, the owner, was able to exit for $4.8 billion. But what it, you know, what what it used to represent, you know, isn't to me what it used to now. I mean you know, I'm sure all the people that are sponsored by them are grateful to it, but, but monster being to me, the leader of what the, the branding with, you know, what you can represent as who you are when it comes to apparel or helmets that are painted that you can buy and this, that, and the other. But I think in the supplement space, I mean, that's my vision and goal is to build a brand that when you're wearing an arm, a hat, t-shirt, sweatshirt, it represents who you are and the type of lifestyle that you live. And I don't believe that there is a defined, brand in the supplement space that truly that exudes that that you know there's a lot of huge brands that trust me i'd like to you know like to have the success that a lot of the the brands in the supplement space are having but you know for example a vega that you know they sold for 500 million dollars you don't see anybody wearing uh, a hat no no one's repping or yeah or a um uh uh Let's see, even athletic greens. I don't see anybody wearing an athletic greens hat, t shirt, sweatshirt, and they're valued at $800 million. You know, great brand, good products. But for me, I want to have amazing products, an amazing brand that represents who you are as a person, how you live, what you participate in, and then also amazing products that you can consume inside your body to help yeah. you perform at the highest level.
0: Yeah. I yeah. And, I, and I'd agree that there isn't really like a monster of supplements. Def, definitely you know like it it just doesn't doesn't people just don't rep it in in that same way so yeah i definitely agree with you there and but, there are you,
1: big ones i mean there are big ones you know optimum nutrition they're huge 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 yeah. but i don't see that anybody like i want to create again i enjoy the brand experience of you know how we talked earlier even your your analogy of the the uh, the the flower uh, bouquet you know all the pieces of the bouquet that make this pretty Bouquet and or this, you know, so that to me is, I don't think has uh, been completely uh, done in the supplement space. That's my goal. My vision is to do so.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I can see it. So do you, what do you think about the, I guess, what, well, is there a reliance on energy drinks and that, that money? Like, do you, do you think that the sport had a bit of complacency? around the checks that were getting written by monster red bull rockstar because it seems like once those companies entered the fray that we really didn't see the samsung's we didn't see the napsters we we didn't really see a lot of the like outside industry sponsors as much you know you know i
1: well i guess there's one equation i could say that's missing What's that? that's me out that's me out there swinging the bat to bring in others so <laughs> yeah, i mean maybe <laughs> i i love you right. know i'm good i'm good friends with steve astephan and lucas myrtle and all the guys out there I, I don't know i mean are they i'm sure i don't know well are they I don't just know. getting
0: low hanging fruit like that's yeah that's really and, and, and i don't and I, mean.
1: I and i truly you know i i i'm not I'm not involved with any of what they're out there swinging the bat to try to bring in. I, I don't know, but I mean, I know that you know. Uh, again, I could reach into my bag. I actually downloaded a little, little deck, th- th- thumbing through all the decks that I sent out that I could send to you or show you.
0: Or, yeah, I mean, I'd love it, to see them. It's, yeah. it's
1: it's amazing, like you know. I mean, swing in that. I still have all the FedEx tags in the bag to the left of my chair here of all the people. Mac tools, which I landed a Mac tool deal for Jeremy McGrath as well. We literally had to tell them to stop sending the tools. The part of the deal was it was it was uh, 20, 20, no, $50,000 a year in cash. And it was uh, a half a million dollars of tools at their cost. Okay. Which I is had the a toolbox. I had a toolbox in my garage that would be the ultimate, uh, fast times at Ridgemont high scene where I don't know if you recall the scene. Sean Penny crashes the, the guy's Camaro and he's like, he says, you know, I can fix it. My dad has an amazing set of tools. Well, my yeah. son would have been able to say that because I had this big ass toolbox with every tool imaginable in it because even Jerry's like, Scott, w- what we can't, we told them to stop shipping all the tools and Mac tools are amazing by the way. But the point is, is that, you know, I went after, I mean, Visa, MasterCard, uh, you know, all, I mean, 100 brands, Snickers, baby Ruth, Pepsi, Coke, bud miller rolex you know of course we went after rolex because we were like buying rolexes so we're like shoot yeah yeah, yeah, just get some free rolexes but you know i i don't know i'm not you know i'm not in there i know that um even the outdoors right now i mean you you know monster is a uh presenting sponsor not the title sponsor of the outdoors um and i know you know i know they're out there trying to hustle one up again i don't know guys maybe it's just that you're missing Hollywood. Oh, sorry. I'm not being full of myself, but I, I, mean, I, I swung the bat. I swung it a lot. I'm sure they are as well. I'm just, just joking, but I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know why it is. I mean, if, if, if here's what I always was, here's what I say, not always, but I say is, is if you look at the success that those brands had on building their brand on a huge part of supercross and motocross, whether it be monster red bull or rockstar if you look at that i would say that to all those guys out there i mean what you had the successes i mean monster is a uh what is it 60 billion dollar market cap currently you know and that stock just went
0: crazy too yeah and it
1: continues to do so and again you know i i i'd say that you know i mean Rodney Sachs, Hilton Schlossberg, Mark Hall—all those gentlemen over at Monster, uh, smart guys. It continues to grow, and you know, continues to grow and grow and grow. So, I mean, for anybody out there selling Supercross, Motocross, even Action Sports, Youth Culture—I would use those as examples of look. Look at the successes that they had in doing so with these uh, with these things, and uh, yeah, that's what I would be pitching.
0: Yeah, because I think we're we're in a real interesting point right now, to where, and I and I think I think Supercross is on the up, and it's you know like obviously my career is like kind of tied to t- tied to the sport in a sense, you know, like that's my first kind of love, um, and I and I've seen, I've seen my own growth in the in the space, and I've seen what I've been able to achieve like on my own as like my own business you know like building my own brand and i'm like fuck there's some there's some real shit here like this is a there's a crazy good demographic it's right in the right age that brands want and there it just seems like we don't have the representation of brands within the sport that we probably could have and right now like dude jet lawrence is the david beckham of motocross you know like Myrtle Myrtle has a golden goose right there and you know like if if there's not that if we're not seeing like a Jeremy McGrath 2.0 coming in the next like couple of years with with Jet and you know what Myrtle's got to work with like I actually don't think that there's ever been a canvas to paint on the way that you know you could paint on Jet Lawrence right now Again, you
1: know, you look at all of the things that, you know, even Jeremy, I mean, Jeremy and I have had this conversation as well and, you know, he had a great, uh, another person involved with him was Cheryl Lynch. You know, she was his publicist and, you know, she was the one that would, you know, get him, uh, do a, get him a lot of the outside exposure that, you know, I would say a lot of that maybe has become the interest in doing that of even the riders. I mean, I even asked Jeremy that even just recently, like Jeremy, is there times where you did, He's like, dude, there's most of the time I didn't want to do that stuff. I didn't want to deal with it. But, but I also though realized that maybe not realize it as much at the moment as I do realize it today. Jeremy McGrath is still a household name. Jeremy McGrath. 100%. If you tell anybody, if you say, you know, motocross, oh, I mean, motor supercross, motocross, they're like, oh, what? And, and you say, and you tell them, um, you know, uh, if you say to them that it is, you know, Jeremy McGrath. Oh yeah, of course I know who Jeremy McGrath is. And yeah. I think that, you know, there was a lot of things that were involved to get Jeremy outside of this little niche community that were people like, Cheryl Lynch and you know then other opportunities that came around because he did this one that then led to that one and again I know that you know people around these guys you know whether it's Steve you know Asvin with um, you know he's got uh, what he has Sexton and he has Ken um, you know and Adam. then you have Adam sorry Adam Ken Sexton yeah you know you have and I know Steve Steve knows the deal and then the same over with you know uh, with with Lucas over at WMG I mean I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not involved with those guys uh, uh, on a daily. I don't know what they're pursuing. I'm sure they're swinging the bat. I just don't know why no one's necessarily bringing some of that outside of this small community. I mean, think about it. Remember Jay Leno, you know, you had Jeremy and travis you know on there you know racing outside and you had so i would also say that you know it's probably guys like danny hartwig over at you know at the time it was you know live nation um and the i can't necessarily say who the players were that made all of those outside opportunities come to reality um i know some of the instances is that you know cheryl lynch did do a lot of those for Jeremy. But I would say that some of those things is what opens then the eyes to a broader uh, sponsor opportunity that if yeah. it's not just being sold to this this same community that we all know. so I think that's and that's what you know Jeremy, like I said, I got responses from almost all of the 100 decks that we sent out. It wasn't like, I mean, if, if I was at the desk at spy and I wasn't interested in some, I didn't necessarily, we didn't necessarily respond to them, but they all responded and were like, you know, wow, we appreciate the, the you know, the, 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 presentation, the opportunity, you know, we'll give it some thought. So it wasn't just a, you know, a hard no. And, um, you know, again, I don't know what those guys are pursuing and you know, how many warm leads, potential leads that are coming up, you know, interest, no interest, or even if they're actually swinging at those at all. I'd assume they are, but I don't really know. I don't know the the answer.
0: So, but yeah. And and I think, um, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, but I would say that I think that, you know, I know when, you know, even Ford was another property that we were pursuing and, um, uh, drawing a blank on the gentleman's name, but he was at Ford for a super long, Sam Scott, Sam Scott, you know, I was up at, up at, um, um the NASCAR event at Fontana when I was pursuing them as a title sponsor for Jeremy. I mean, they all knew who Jeremy McGrath was. They all had interest, you know, and even to this day, I run into, I ran into a woman that, you know, was at Hot Wheels, Jeremy McGrath. And, you know, all of those things, I, I, I guess that, you know, Jeremy you have to give Jeremy McGrath a lot of credit for who he was as a personality as well. And that, you know, all of that also equaled a lot of interest from the outside because, because he was Jeremy Showtime is amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's sort of the next point I guess I wanted to make is that you have to have a rider and an athlete that's willing to put the sport on their back in that sense, you know, because to play the other side of the court for jet it's like okay well i'm making 100 grand every time i win from honda and then i'm getting you know a little bit of prize money and then i got my alps deal and then i got this deal you know so it's like i'm not i ain't struggling for cash and it's like do i really want to put myself out there in that way do i want to go to all of these extracurriculars like is that going to take away from the racing is the was it just that Jeremy was so much better than those guys that he could afford to go out and you know do the press and do the you know appearances and it, it's it must just take a special athlete to want to put the sport on their back to want to be the face for a sport and to you know want to kind of push it forward and I I look at James like Man, what James could have been for the sport. James was still obviously incredible for the sport, but you know, you got this young black kid in an all-white sport that came in and was—he rewrote the rule book on physics. It seemed like, you know, and and had the MTV show, and he had, but it seemed like all of that kind of turned him the other way. In a sense, it's like maybe he just wasn't the right guy to put the sport on his back and to kind of push it to that next level. Maybe it just wasn't in him to, you know, want that side of of life, maybe the way that Jeremy kind of did. I'm not sure. You can also maybe look at it and say maybe
1: it was Ricky Carmichael's fault because Ricky stepped up the game on the training and the fitness and how serious you had to be. And it's like, you know, so, I mean, you you could maybe – maybe say that as well but you know i know that jeremy i mean like i said we we have talked about that and he did say that yeah it was definitely a drain on you know? Did you want to do it? But I can tell you that I mean to this day, I, I he would say that he's grateful that he did because you know those are the things that still make him uh, you know relevant. I mean, he still to this day you know has amazing deals with all of his sponsors and you know yeah, yeah. Has, I mean keeps himself in the in the in the light of the sport. You know, even with the science of supercross, and he still does certain races that keeps him relevant to the racing community and you know. Just Jeremy does all of this and lives the lifestyle uh, every day and 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 it's provided him the ability to do so. All those extra things that he did I think really did make a difference. Now it doesn't hurt that he won seven supercross titles and you know I mean all of that ultimately puts him above everybody else as well, but it was all that extra stuff that he did that I really think is what the outside world, I mean, you know, I was on a call last week with the gentleman in in the supplement space and he's not even a big moto guy. And even he says everybody knows who Jeremy McGrath is, you know, it's like
0: 100 percent.
1: So, you know, that that to me is whether or not you really want to do that stuff right now, it's going to continue to pay you huge dividends once you're done. (laughs) And I think that's where, you know, Jeremy's not sitting here with me. Um, but I know he would probably say the same, that he's grateful that he did all those things. And he, and he, we've talked about this and he has said to me that he is. So, yeah.
0: So. Yeah. And I, I think um, one of the other things though, that may make all of this point kind of mute in a sense, like when we talk about Jet Lawrence's, he's actually the first guy that has started his own brand in a sense. And, that that like has real appeal. I mean, you talk about jets and donuts, and that's a. He's just got to be the face of this brand. You set up a model, and then you franchise that model all over the U.S. And it's like you even get a, a small percentage of that market. The Dunkin' Donuts, the Starbucks, the you know the that lane, and I mean that is the kind of thing that could make him just a fuck ton of money over over his his life as well so i mean even even is there some sense now and like okay instead of working for other people's brands like i'm gonna really get a team behind myself and make my own brand that's not in moto that's got nothing to do with this industry and you know jets and donuts is something that can pay him forever
1: you know those are definitely things that you want to strive towards as you're having those successes because you know especially in a sport where you know most of the guys do retire uh, you know I mean (laughs) as early as late 20s to early 30s and okay so then what are you going to do after that and you know it would be uh, very rewarding to set something up so that once you are done that you are a part of that it is yours or that you're involved in in some capacity so I think that, you know, and I know, you know, Jeremy, uh, you know, did do that with, you know, I mean, Jeremy was a big part. He was one of the original investors in spy, um, yeah. you know, and has continued to be a part of spy to this day. Um, yeah, it did go through a sale, but look, he's still, he's still a part of that brand i think that was you know his idea was doing those types of things and you know but it did come with there were moto involved no fear gear was jeremy was a part of that and part owner of that um but i think that venturing out of this space to be a part of something that you have equity ownership in like you know jet is doing i think it's great you know it's a definitely a step outside and then also can be something as if, as that grows and it grows outside of just this community. It's a great opportunity for that project to take his name outside of this sport and start to tell this story in other places as well. The moto supercross jet jet Lawrence Jetson donut story. And uh you know, those those were things that were also, I mean people that, let's say we're involved in monster that did either buy stock, um, that still to this day have stock as athletes, um, because they, you know, they saw what was going on and the stock's growing. And I know there's a lot of people to this day that will say to me is, you know, you told me to buy it, but you didn't tell me not to sell it. I'm like, well, I don't, it's not, you know, that's it's not like, like I either. have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not like I have a line and a, and a, and a, and a, you know, definitive answer to what you should do, but it's, you know, it's, it's, It is it is something that a lot of people I do know in the moto community did buy stock and or watched it and paid attention to it. Athletes that were involved in it did did that. So that was that was a, a, a fun way for people that not were just sponsored by the company, but yet could participate in the successes of something they were influencing the the, yeah, the, the yeah. growing the growing of I mean I know uh Pierre-Luc Gagnon PLG was a good friend of mine at the time when he was sponsored by Monster and his father and him were you know stock player people and you know was definitely someone who always would you know how's it looking how are we doing you know I mean just so I mean even myself you know it's like I didn't I wasn't the founder of monster but it was nice to be able to participate whether you could participate on stock that you purchased or whether you know it was options that you had while you were there at the time and so those are fun things to um not fun those are rewarding things to be a part of is helping something grow and 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 being a part of the successes of that growing and i mean it definitely would encourage um people while they're having their success to whether it's investing in brands or investments. I mean I know Jeremy's been very wise and made and made good choices with investments for himself and I think that's one of the things that as you're having those successes, it's not just about um, buying all the things you want. it's about ensuring that you can continue to buy the things you want. So be wise and invest and and uh, yeah so
0: yeah, no sound advice. So uh, before we go, last year, I got flamed online because i uh i read a dm let, from, let me let me
1: where are we i think i know where we're going all uh, right you but, go <laughs> no go ahead go ahead I'm a, I,
0: I uh i got i got flamed online for reading a dm from from jay law saying that uh he I, was coming I knew back what, to, i knew it was going uh, that's why i knew yeah, it was good to ride a gas gas armor, um, energy uh, you were putting together a deal no and, energy just armor no energy uh, just Arma, Arma. sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh I was completely fine with putting that... It was funny. I got so much shit like being criticized. Like, oh, you call yourself a journalist. I'm like, okay, at no point have I ever said that I'm a journalist. I read a DM from a guy and it didn't end up happening. And I don't feel bad about it at all because I was excited. How close was, was that from, from happening? What was the... What what actually happened there? Because I, I never, I never chased it up. So there really... There was there was talks about that being
1: a reality and um and i know that jason did want to race either either a national and or even do an amateur day at a national and there was discussions with um guys at at troy lee um you know i was uh talking to to Dave and Randy over there at the time. And we were at Paula and we, we, we talked about it. Um, and you know, it was in the beginning stages of the idea, but I mean, I will say, you know, Jason was like, okay, if there's any remote chance that I need to get a bike ASAP, I'm not going out there not, you know, I do want to be prepared and, you know, I, I'm not going to just show up at a race and and just, I mean, I'm not going to just, I got to be prepared and, but I, I also know that um you know he he then and he was he was kind of bummed cuz everybody's like oh you know he's he's going to race and then it didn't happen and then he's like oh it's just the same old you know Jason stuff he's coming back he's coming back he didn't he didn't and he did actually end up getting covid pretty seriously um mm. last year and you know did anything actually I mean were were there some efforts going uh towards that um goal Yes. Um, even put in a call, uh, there's a call that went into, um, several high ups. We'll just leave it at that about getting the equipment, the bike. And then, so there, there was definitely real conversations about that. It wasn't just that Jason, I mean that that came to you and there wasn't really some substance behind that. Um, but it didn't happen. And, uh, I mean, so I, I I look I've been um, in the in in the corner with him for since the beginning and I, whether it's a national or it's Amsterdam Day National or it's Loretta Lynn's I just think it would be awesome to I mean Jason loves to ride his dirt bike Jason loved being a part of what he did and 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 I think you know yeah maybe he was difficult to engage with with the fans and people but he did like he, he liked it. He, he enjoyed those people. And, um, yeah, you know, I definitely time is ticking though. So it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I I don't know what, what a realistic, uh, idea. And, and, and my thing I always say is, is look until I'll support an idea that he comes to me with and try to help make it a reality. But, you know, I, I, it's, I think it has to be his idea and, you know, see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's awesome that, I mean, first of all, I'm just like a massive fan of his and, you know, that we've, we've spoke a bunch of times just like back and forth on messages. He's actually shared some pretty cool like personal shit with me as well that gives me probably like a bit of context as to like some of the reasons why he stopped racing, some of the experiences that he's had, some of the way that he views the world and I think that you know, it like, it makes sense. You know, people have their unique perspective on life. People have the circumstances that they were brought up in. People have the friends that were like, there's so many influences on your life that aren't your own and aren't of your own choosing that, you know, end up kind of developing the lens that you view the world. And you know, it it is what it is like that. You can't help so many of, of those factors, but man, ultimately I just think it's cool that people still, would get excited you know like the videos and the the messages i got like people responded to him and i think that and i've said it a, a million times like i think it sucks the way that it just went with him and the sport like i really think i don't think people knew what they had in him i don't think that people understood the value of him at the time i think he was just seen as a bit of a problem child maybe like a bit of a stain on the sport at the time it, but i really think that he was the he was the Deegan to the Pastrana. He was, you know, like there was there was a role that we should have embraced for him to be in the sport. And I think that if everyone if everyone kind of had like a big picture view of exactly what he could be, and I and if some things got done differently, I mean, I think that you're right. Like that the kid's a rock star, you know. And I think well, I think that he would have made everyone else look even better and he would have made himself look cool in the, you know what I mean? He would have brought everybody up.
1: Well, you, you, you I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, and, uh, because you were saying everything exactly. I had dinner with, uh, Carrie Joe Coombs, who's a big supporter of Jason and Davey Coombs as they are, you know, they support their fans of Jason as well. And my, you know, dinner with them at, um, Paula, you know, we were talking about Jason and the sad thing is, is you're a hundred percent right. And the sport really did, you know, not embrace him. And, it, and, and in fact had, you know, pushed him away. I mean, when you, okay, the interaction with him and Villa Poto, it's like, okay, there was, it was back and forth, but when you get the bike launched on you and you get sent to the starting line, 40th gate pick and find $7,500 in Villa Poto, $2,500, How's, how's that right? You know? And you know, when he wins every moto at Loretta lens against, you know, Ryan, which, you know, Ryan's, I mean, I respect Ryan's ability and Ryan as well, but Jason won every moto and then didn't get, didn't get the horizon award. I mean, those are the types of things. It's like, wait a minute, what do I have to do to be recognized as, you know, one of the baddest dudes in this sport instead of yes. And I know that, okay, he did things that maybe that they weren't happy with, but at the same time, I mean, just what you said, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, you had the, you have the, the good guy, the bad guy, the, this, the, that it's like you had the yin the yang it's like embrace that, you know? And I mean, you know, the fines that he received, I mean, he got $25,000 fine for, you know, T-bone Hepler when they were battling for second and, uh, uh, uh Jackson- Jackson supercross
0: in the 450 class $25,000 fine and then you know it's and, and, just, and how do you justify that when the prize money is yeah. fuck all how the, <laughs> yeah. how are you going to win that back even and i think that year his fines totaled like
1: $62,000 that year like, you know, I mean, and it's just like, and I, I mean, it could be a little off, but they were a lot and, you know, and then he even donated, you know, $5,000 to, you know, Asterix mobile medical. I mean, he was a giving person. He pulled the bike down off the hauler for, um, one of the, uh, brothers at Jacksonville. Uh, what's the brother's names? They played, one's a band guy. Anyway, Jason gave him a two fifty F that was on the truck for him to race. Cause his bike had broken. Um, drawing a blank on their, their names. But point is, is, I mean, I just think that it was a raw deal for Jason that, um, they, you know, yes, I understand that they didn't like a lot of his behavior, but dude, I mean, to this day to have people still talking about the guy, I mean, when there's a post and I look at the comments, there's the love, the hate, you know, there's the haters and the lovers. And then (laughs) it's funny. I was watching the race this weekend and James made a mistake stewart as he is he's like and if it was jason lawrence i mean jason anderson out there and it's like pretty crazy that i mean i and caught still, that but yeah, like yeah. still like and it was in a situation a rough riding situation but the first to mine and you know sorry james if i know that was an accident when you said it but jason lawrence came to mind and it is unfortunate because i do think that there is, there isn't personalities like that anymore. And I know there, I know that, you know, maybe a lot of even what was suppressed that he had done had discouraged a lot of people moving forward to act in that way because, you know, they, they, they not going to get the full reward of maybe what their potential is because, wow, I saw what happened to J law and Jason Lawrence and, you know, 100%, I don't want that same yeah. to happen to me. So everybody, you know, and look, and again, I'm not being this, you know, Bible preaching, you know, telling people how to live and you know, and I I have a relationship with with God, but you know, it just seems like a lot of people have become this this cookie cutter same presentation, same speech. You know, first time Jason was on the podium, he dropped an F bomb, you know? Yeah, yeah. He literally it's like, you know, when he was at Daytona and he led, you know, 18 of the 20 laps at Daytona oh, in the dude. first 450 race, you know who he thanked on the podium? the bartenders at razzles no one else like that cutting him off or something (laughs) no the bart yeah the night he's like i told the guys at razzles if i got up here i mean who thinks i mean it just was crazy that he thanks the bartenders at razzles on his podium and and it's just you know it's like those types of things which it's i mean it's I, i actually enjoy when i watch someone get interviewed and they don't thank the list of all the sponsors. Because I just think it's like, come on, man. It's just well, like everybody, everybody's got them. the list. Everybody has a list. And there's someone with a pit board. Like, it's like, really? I appreciate and respect the guy that got, goes up there, kicked ass, and says, hey, thanks to my team. And did whatever. And that's it. Done. Peace yeah. out. You know? And, you know, sometimes maybe a couple additional names. But, man, when they read the entire list, you're like, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, anyway. well, I, I just think, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, I, I wish I was doing this back then, you know, I would have just been fucking drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, because re- I feel like that's the thing that I really try and do with the sport is like, I look, I'm going, All right, big picture, what's this guy's impact? Who can this guy be? Who can he be for new fans of the sport? Like, And it just seems to me like everyone dropped the ball at that point in time and we just got we just got funneled you know what i mean like the dungey mold and the it 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 was like Carmichael and then that led to Villapoto and Dungey and then those guys had this effect like we're only just now getting over that stage of the sport you know like and i think nowadays like you look at a, a Jason Anderson i mean he went through a very similar trajectory he didn't get in as much trouble as as Jason. Um, but you know, he was doing his own thing. He, he had his own style. People tried to change him and and you know, like there's a reason why he's never done any other podcasts. There's a reason why he's got his own cha- Like, people really tried to suppress what what he was all about. And it's like, man, we we're, we're so lucky that the sport didn't fully kill his vibe. Like Josh Hill was another dude that could have been like a, a but the sport, you know, they slowly, it was like, they just pushed these kids to just be this perfect mold. That was fucking lame. Like actually lame.
1: Well, and, and I do, I mean, Jason Anderson, it's, you know, it's, I, and I'm uh, Jason, great guy, good friends with Jason. And I agree with you that even, uh, you know, even he, I saw that, You know any of that potential type of I don't want to say close to type of behavior as Jason, but that was even outside of that box, definitely would start to cause you know issues. I wasn't close day to day with working with Jason Anderson, but I could see that. um, I think it was even I was at Daytona or one of the races one a few years back when I think he was still at Husky, and I said, hey, let's go out and have some drinks after the race and. And, and I think that, you know, somebody had sent something in or Instagram, you know, fortunately Instagram and all that didn't exist when J-Lo was, was racing back then, but you know, something had come up and I think, you know, some, he maybe some mentioned internally and was maybe in trouble for it. I I don't know exactly, but I do know this, that, you know, and I don't want to make claims on something that I wasn't completely involved with, but I just know that I think that you're right there that, you know, being in this box, you know, it's, it's kind of a bummer that, you know, some of these guys can't, uh, release a bit of that who they really are and some of that stuff and i mean yeah so i think well i mean cookie cutter uh, stuff i I don't like all the cookie cutter same old same old everybody being the same like you said robots type type stuff so but i mean hey huge shout outs to the guys that were successful you know ryan dungy's uh Poto, you know very successful but i do think that it was uh it would have been nice to still have them with also the other side, you know, and and continue 100%. to have that as we go down the road of this sport. Is is yeah, you can have those guys that truly are those cookie cutters, and and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's who they
0: are, you know. Eli yeah, Tomac. I was to say if it's who you are, exactly. exactly, then be who you are, and I will celebrate you. Like the the values that Ryan Dungy has as a human being are immaculate. Like he is, one hundred percent an impeccable person and we should never want him to be different. But when there's somebody that comes along like Jason Lawrence, that isn't Ryan Dungy, we should celebrate him too. And like, I mean, I, I want to just go and hang with Jay Law at at one time. I just want to listen to his upbringing, hear his story. Like what shaped him? Because there's a reason you are who you are like that. You become, you're a product, you know, there's, there's these inputs, that happen in everybody's life and the inputs generate the outputs, you know, like it's just the way that it is your story of the way that you grew up and not having things and you couldn't have the bikes and you had to work and they made you understand. There's a reason we end up being who we are and J law is who he is for very very specific reasons and things that happened to him in his in his life and i think like if people even tried to understand him back then it's like you'd celebrate like man i can't believe this fucking kid's even here like this is right yeah he's a fuck up but like it's crazy he's here
1: yeah and i mean like you said i think all of all of it's all those petals that make up the bouquet, whatever the bouquet yeah, may yeah, be. Yeah. And it's all those things that create what this outcome of this personality is. And, you know, it was exciting. I mean, I could tell you that. You know, walking out of the bus door, going to the starting line, I always knew. I'm like, I don't know what we're gonna get. If the light switch comes on, we could be racing for the win. But I don't know what we're gonna get. But it's gonna be exciting. It was always exciting. It was always entertaining. I know that Pro Taper did a uh, a, a back. Uh, page of the magazine yeah, ad. It was like are you entertained and it was yeah. like you know Jason and Jason was very entertaining so you know whether it was the podium speech or it was his riding style his clean outs I mean it was entertaining and he was exciting to watch and so I do think that you know it it's uh you know, it would be great to have another personality that comes along. That's not that same. That is, you know, you got that hardworking, you know, Dungies and Villapotos and Tomacs, you know, and is there, where's the other side? Maybe it's Talon Hawkins coming up three, thirty nine. you know, there was three, three eight, there's three, three nine Talon yeah. Hawkins, super cool kid from California. You know, he had a sick whip this week. I saw, and I used to work, do some stuff with Talon, but it would be cool to definitely see a different personality. That is a little little bit more that's not just the same and the cookie cutter but uh yeah so it would be uh uh, be interesting I
0: agree have you have you heard how how jason's doing like is he is he doing doing good i know the guy fucking loves to ride yeah there you go (laughs) that's so sick (laughs) oh dude i Um, love that guy he is yeah so He's I are mean, eyes doing you know, okay or? yeah
1: ride, riding you know rides his dirt bike and you know haven't actually haven't talked to him for a while i know that he actually i texted him a while ago when we were talking a, a couple months ago about doing this and uh and uh and i and he didn't respond and then i said hey i'm gonna be doing uh gypsy tails he's like ah you want to know what you can talk about <laughs> or something like that and I just was like, hey, you know, I, I'd i like Jason at some point, I know, to, to tell, I think, his story and an, all the story, whatever he wants to tell. And then I think there's a lot that uh, others can come in and share to that, whether it be the good, the bad and the ugly, because there definitely was some good, the bad and the ugly on all sides. On I mean, not yeah. like any of us, there was craziness on 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 a lot of different uh, weather. Yeah. So you know, I want that to be his story that he wants to tell. And, you know, like I, I, I've said before and I'll say it again. I mean, you know, Jason and I did a lot together and, um, it was a lot of fun, um, doing it. Um, it was very, uh, definitely like a, it was, a, it was a lot of mental, a lot of mental drain and stress. And, uh, but you know, was always trying to do what I thought was best to give him the best chance, not only to do well racing, but to do well in life. And so, you know, put, put my effort the best I could into it. And, um, yeah, I think it'd be fun to hear his story and his side. And I know many would like to hear it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly why I didn't even really, really want to bring it up. You know, like it, it's, uh, he's one of those guys where I, I definitely, I mean, even if he never wants to do the podcast or whatever, I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely want to go and fucking ride with the guy one day. Like maybe, maybe when i get to the states i'll i'll hit him up and see where he's at and just put a bike in the back of a truck and and go ride with the dude but um yeah cuz I, I think he's got i just i just want to know like what what his life was like like how he ended up being the dude that he was cuz fuck he was a bad dude you know there, there's just there's not many guys that can party like that get into the shit that he was getting into and then go out and lead Daytona supercross in your first, like just iconic, you know, there's just not, there's not another dude that could do that.
1: Again, there's even other stories, but I'll let him tell those that you would just blow your mind. Like there's stories that, and and, yeah, that I, 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 when he's ready to tell them there, uh, people will be, they'll be entertained. I can tell you that, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and, and it was amazing that he was able to do what he did and the way he approached it, um, whether with the fitness and the training and I mean, so, but I mean, he did ride his dirt bike a lot and that is what you do when you race. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess the disappointment for myself is, is, is it was a light that burned so bright that then, you know, that then eventually just, doesn't it doesn't burn it you know yeah it burns in the minds of people and it and it, and it it's still it's still there because it burns so bright at one point yeah. I just uh you know for me as you know where I was with him with it all it would have just been a lot more rewarding I mean that it has to be rewarding for him to continue to do it and want to continue to do it but it was fun I mean I had fun uh being a part of it had fun Um, doing what I did to to, to, I mean shoot we were thrown with you know uh, we had to throw a team together you know within months in yeah, 09, and oh so you nine know, it was amazing i mean we you know the the look the semi the bike the gear all had the same look i mean you know thanks to mark blanchard you know helped put all that design together from you know 100 at the time one industries but the yeah, the look was amazing everything was amazing and all the stuff that we you know sponsors you know monster and AMPM and boost mobile and yeah, you know yeah. 2xl which was um uh, uh, which was the headphones, uh, headphone company. Anyway, big deals, big sponsors. And, you know, and it was, uh, I mean, that was a lot of fun being able to then also utilize what I love doing, which was pitch and sell deals and, you know, had, uh, had somebody that I felt like could have continued on for quite a long time based on what his uh, ability and talent was. So, and especially the, yeah, the marketability, the love, hate, which all of that stuff, like, you know, I think it's, I think it's Madonna is one that coined, you know, good publicity, bad publicity, it's still publicity. And I think that was definitely something that was on Jason's side on that part for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that kind of hampers people in motocross in general is that everyone's just trying to be loved. Like, no one wants any hate. And it's just like, I mean, dude, I mean, even for me, I've learned in this. I feel like we're pretty lucky with people. But, I mean, you can go, if you search Gypsy Tales on the Vital Forum, you get like pages and pages, like, literally pages of people that think i'm a fucking moron and it's like that's cool <laughs> like I, i'm completely i'm like i i don't want to be loved by it there's it's pointless and you're so right like the the love that what hey just watch be entertained tell your mates i'm a dickhead like tell your mates it's all what doesn't matter like this is all a good thing that there's like this that it's good that people care and I talk about blacks and well interview right people blah 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 it's good there's good for the sport that we have like that level of engagement you know and I think that yeah j law was a dude that had that figured out like he didn't give a fuck if people loved him or hated him and like there's so much power in that
1: he definitely Definitely didn't. And but I will say though that he didn't and he definitely wasn't doing anything to appease people. You know, he wasn't going to conform. You gotta go sign autographs, you gotta this, you gotta that. He wasn't gonna do what he didn't want to do. But I will say that I think that maybe some of that stuff did have an effect on him though, like some I, I can't speak for him, but I do think that some of the writings and some of the, you know, that the, people would say some pretty nasty stuff, you know, I, uh, yeah, think, I, I mean, agree with, I
0: agree with that.
1: Even myself, like when I shoot, I I've read stuff about myself that people didn't even know the truth about even, you know, that's where I made an amends with, uh, Steve Mathis where it was like, you know, I, you know, and that and when I heard stuff that was said, others said on But, you know, someone had sent me a clip of a podcast and it's like they didn't even know. But yet at the end of the day, I let all that go. I made an amends and I'm like, forgiveness, not revenge. So that to me was like they didn't know they weren't there. They don't know the truth. But you know what? Whatever. I know the truth. I know what I did. I know what I didn't do. And I'm comfortable with that. And for me, I'm not going to harbor any anger or hate or ill will. I'm just going, I know that I know the truth and the, and, and, and I think though that it can definitely, you can let, I can see where these high level athletes and sports figures and celebrities and where you you can get, you're like, that can definitely get in your head and and it screw you up. So.
0: Yeah. And that's been like one of my points of contention. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I've, I've had like my issues with some of those people that, you know, have written just, like, completely non-factual shit, like, I push back pretty hard on the whole, like, Cheech and Chong, fucking J-Law, Hill thing, it's just like, Hill told me that literally had never smoked weed ever when that article got written, and then when he had to get drug tested from Yamaha, like, that, there, there is a point where, like, that shit really has negative consequences on the athlete's, that make up the sport. And it's like, hey, bro, you get paid by these... You know, like, there's a level of... I think there's a level of protection that you should hope to give these guys. You know, like, don't do anything that can, like, really hurt these guys, especially if it's not factual. Like, especially if it's not factual. Like, you, you have to respect that these are the... You only have this voice because you have these guys to talk about and I think that you know that was kind of like an error because at that point I mean I'm just I read when I was a kid dude I read cover to cover every single Racer X every single Trans World, and every single motocross action from when I was like 11 to when I was like 20 you know so it's like I know what those guys are right like I know what people wrote about these dudes and then when I kind of got to be in the industry and you learn, like, what actually was going on or what, you know, you get a, something from Hill saying, like... Because I would read that shit. I'd be like, fuck, Hill's a stoner, you know? Like, that's crazy. And it's like, when you learn it's not true and the damage that it does. And and so I think, like, I would just hope that we've moved away from, like, that era of, of journalism. And, and I think that, you know, like, the podcasting, guys having their own social media, all that, you know, like, maybe if instagram was around and maybe if j law could have told his side of the story more had platforms to go on that could kind of like combat the quote-unquote like mainstream narrative like maybe that was a better place maybe he was just caught in a time where writers didn't have their own voice um but yeah i mean that that was definitely like a, a thing that would piss me off um, is when you see like the negative consequences that media has on a guy where I, you know in my opinion I'm like dude that was just uh, we wasted an opportunity like such a massive opportunity wasted yeah and like i said
1: you know the disappointment for me is that i think that there's a, there was a lot more to get out of it but you know but he but it had to be a decision that he wanted you know it he wanted to get out of himself it's not like we you know but I, I like I said as a as a doing what I was doing at the time and being the guy that was making a lot of those opportunities happen deal wise I mean you know that was my ride yeah, versus yeah, his yeah. ride on the track you know his track his ride was on the track and doing what he did on the track you know my success and ride was doing what I did to take advantage of what he was doing out on the track and or out there so you know, when that came to an end you know, yeah, it was just disappointing because I felt like there was a lot more to to realize from it, not just for financial gain. It was it was exciting. It was fun. It was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I enjoyed, I loved watching it as a racer and a rider. I mean, I loved I loved watching Jason. He was entertaining. I mean, it was it was entertainment. I mean, it was, you know, as a watching racing to the guy was awesome to watch. I mean, and like I said, it was always going to be exciting. I mean, dude, he loved I mean, the clean outs and, you know, just all that. I mean, he loved that. Stuff. Even
0: just his style, dude. Like the flow yeah. that motherfucker has on a dirt bike is out of control. Like I remember watching, like Transworld videos, Yamaha Troy, red gloves, Glenn Helen on a Thursday, and just silk, bro, silk. Everything he did was silk, and just oh, that I missed that that style. You know, hundred percent, man. Definitely
1: was 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 fun, and you know. It, uh, Hey, end of the day is, you know, I just, I just hope that he's happy in life. That's, that's, you know, from our early conversation is, is whatever brings you happiness. I hope that everybody, everybody finds that most importantly, but it is, does make you happy when you do what you love and you have fun doing it and you find success in doing what you love. So that's what I try to, you know, every day is you do what I love, enjoy what I'm a part of and be happy with those successes and but it also you know it's it's a lot of work. it's hard and uh, you only get what you in you only get out of it what you put into it. so I try to remind myself of that every day as well. So
0: yeah, I completely agree. And I think there's there's just a big part of me that I would love to see and and it would be like my goal with doing a podcast with him or doing anything with him like my goal of that would be at the end of it, for him to really see the love that he has, well, that people have for him. And, you know, I, I I completely believe that, you know, if he was in the position in his life where he wanted to be back at, at you know, writing, like, you know, Day in the Dirts, the, the, you know, some amateur days, like do Loretta's in the 30 plus class. Like, I mean, A, I still think there's a good living to be made you know if he if he wanted to have it the internet's fucking crazy i mean if i can make a living out of this shit like surely jason lawrence can um but i just i would love to i would love to see him do some kind of tour races what appear whatever where like he got to feel how valued he actually is and was to the community because i think that you know i i think that while you said you know he was definitely the guy that was not going to do things he didn't want to do. And there was a lot of shit he didn't give a fuck about. I'm sure to anybody that put the amount of time and effort into the sport that he did, like you would want to feel the appreciation that the fans actually have for you. And I think that that's the one thing that's like left on the table for him is that he could come back. He could do... Like no one gives a fuck how good he does. Or no one want, no one expects him to win... like. That's not even the conversation. What you do is you just, you come back and you feel the love that people have for you. And you feel you get to hear the stories and you get to see the appreciation of like what that guy did and what he inspired. And I I would just hope that that ends up happening for him in his life. You know, that he really feels the value that, that people put on him. I, i i agree 100
1: percent. i think it would be awesome i think it would be really cool and i do think that there would be some cool closure for him that while they, you know much as there's love hate war on keyboards man, people do did really enjoy what i did so
0: yeah well uh mate we've done uh we've done over three hours thank you so much i'm sorry that this was a bit of a challenge to to schedule me moving around so much has been uh definitely not the easiest thing but this was a fantastic conversation uh, and I really appreciate all of your, your insight that you've uh, that you've shared, and we'll 100% do this again if it's something you want to do again. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd like to, and I know even Jeremy and I talked about doing it and coming up together um, as well. And and um, yeah, so I don't know where you want to cut this, but I'd also like to ask is I'd like to throw a code out if possible for Arma on uh, yeah, yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood. I'm going to give you two because I'm not sure. I I called before I came in here. Hollywood 20 is 20% off on armor products. And then Hollywood 30 would be 30% off on armor products. So I'm not sure I'll, I'll let you know which of the two um, they want to go with. So yeah. So not yeah, I'd love to all. get everybody on, on some good products, some good armor, hydrate, reload, blitz and fire. Get everybody on the ARMA program and a healthy living, and also uh, perform at your highest level. That's ultimately what we try to ensure we can do every day. So, let's do it.
0: No, well, I appreciate, it, mate, and uh, and yeah, maybe maybe me, you, and Jeremy when I'm in the states. I'm hopefully going to be there like in in this like July, August kind of onwards. So when
1: we do that. We should do it out at Jeremy's place. It'd be cool at his house. Yeah, his his, his yeah, his place is amazing. His museum. So. Yeah. yeah. So let's stay in touch. I'll probably be on. Uh, I was on with him when I was. We had it today on the way up, and I'll probably be on with him when I get out of the here. So I'll. I'll let. Yeah, I'll let you know.
0: Awesome, mate. Well, I appreciate it. You are a legend, and uh yeah, until the next time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Look forward to. uh Yeah.
1: Seeing what the response is. So, everybody, have a good one. Enjoy what we love to do. Thank you very much. Good talking to you.
0: Epic. All right, brother. See we'll you. cut it there. Thanks so much. Hey. All right, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Oh, surprise surprise we didn't ever have to get, go to the bathroom, which I I I have to go now. <laughs> yeah, I do now too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brother, so,
0: thanks so much. All right, man. Thank you. S- have a you good one. bye.